Is the board still going on? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's time for San Francisco Taxi Cab Commission meeting. July 8, 2008. We have some announcements first about cell phone use. Here is the announcement. The ringing of and use of cell phones, pagers, and similar sound-producing devices are prohibited at this meeting. Please be advised, there's one now, that the chair may order the removal from the meeting room of any person or persons responsible for the ringing or use of a cell phone, pager, or other similar sound-producing electronic device. I'm going to turn mine off right now. Jordana, if I could also say, um, at Commissioner Meadows' suggestion, we're going to try a new policy with the cards and public comments. So anyone who wants to speak under the special order public comment from 8 o'clock until 8.30, they should fill out one of the green or yellow cards. But for all other agenda items, <clears throat> we'll just do as we've been doing, just to have people come up and speak, anyone who wants to speak. But I want to get a sense beforehand for that special order at 8 o'clock, who wants to speak. So thank you. Okay. So we will now proceed to the uh, agenda. The first item is call to order and roll call. Commissioner Gillespie. Here. Commissioner Breslin. Present. Commissioner Benjamin. Here. Commissioner Neto. Present. Commissioner Pack is excused. Commissioner Slaughter. Here. Commissioner Suval. Here. All right, we have a quorum. The next item of business is the San Francisco Municipal Transportation Authority Agency, actually, I should say. Sorry about that typo. Taxi Advisory Group, and we do have a special guest here this evening. We have the Chief of Staff, Deborah Johnson. Good evening, all. I'm Deborah Johnson, Chief of Staff, Director of Administration for the San Francisco Municipal Transportation Agency, President Gillespie, members of the Commission, Ms. Thigpen. I am here before you today to provide you with some information pertaining to a proposed Taxi Advisory Group. As you're aware, on May 12, 2008, the Board of Supervisors Governance and Audit and Oversight Committee forwarded a declaration of intent to the full Board of Supervisors to transfer the duties of the Taxi Commission to the SFMTA. The Board of Supervisors approved the resolution on May 20, 2008, and it was signed by Mayor Gavin Newsom on May 30th. In passing the resolution, the GAO committee requested that the SFMTA prepare a business plan to be completed within 180 days and to begin a nationwide recruitment for a director of taxi and accessible services. Following presentation of the SFMTA's business plan and the results of the recruitment efforts, the GAO committee will forward a resolution to effectuate the transfer of the duties of the taxi commission to the SFMTA. To that extent, I, serving in my role of the Chief of Staff, convened a working group, which Ms. Thickpin was a member, as well as representatives from the Mayor's Office. And in doing so, what we're proposing is to convene a passive meeting body composed of nine members to help develop a transition plan. Those nine seats would consist of a driver representative. This individual should be a current A-card holder in the city and county of San Francisco and shall have held the A-card for at least five years. This individual shall work at least 20 hours per week as a taxi driver and shall not hold any other taxi permits. A medallion holder representative, this individual shall hold at least one medallion permit and shall have held the medallion permit for at least five years in the city and county of San Francisco. A color scheme representative, this individual shall represent a taxi com- uh, excuse me, company holding a valid color scheme permit and a valid business license. Only taxi companies existing in the city and county of San Francisco for at least five years with no outstanding discipline shall be eligible for consideration. 
a special events representative. This event, excuse me, this seat will be held by the director of the San Francisco Conventioners and Visitors Bureau or his or her designee, a hospitality representative, which will be an individual associated with and or employed by a San Francisco hotel, restaurant, or business providing hospitality services or the nonprofit organization representing the hospitality industry. And the senior disabled representative. This seat shall be held by the chairman of the SFMTA Paratransit Coordinating Council and or his or her designee. And then there will be three seats attributed to the general public, one of which will be the chairman of the SFMTA Citizens Advisory Council or his or her designee. And the two other members shall be representatives of community-based organizations working to enhance the quality of life in San Francisco. Now, pursuant to the Declaration of Intent, since we do have 180 days, it's our intent to convene this group as soon as we can because we see all of the participants to be viable conduits in the sense of providing us with ample information to help us develop a cohesive business plan. So to that extent, we are trying to ensure that we have this group convened no later than August 15th. And just to be clear, the mission of this taxi advisory group relates to the merger of the taxi commission functions into the SFMTA and solely the implementation of that transition. Once the transition is completed with the adoption of SFMTA taxi regulations and a merger implementation plan, perhaps there could be a more permanent advisory body, but I cannot speak to that as that responsibility doesn't rest with the agency for which I work. So to that extent, I do have copies of statements of interest. It would be our intent that these would be made available commencing tomorrow and would close on the 21st. And one piece of information that I get to share is that the chairman of the SFMTA Board of Directors will have the power to appoint or remove members of the taxi advisory group. So with that, I'd be more than happy to entertain any questions, and I have copies of said information that I will leave here. Thank you very much. That's a really impressive and I think well-thought-out list of people to have on this advisory committee. So let me understand that that is going to be a forum for people who are interested in applying for any of these slots. It will be available either at our office or maybe online. Yes, it will be available online, and actually what this forum is, this will actually be on our website commencing tomorrow. I thought I would bring them here. I thought that would be appropriate. And in doing so, one can either download it and print it out or, you know, submit it online. Okay. And just for some clarification of points in my own mind which are important to me, I think the original plan was to have taxi regulation or something under your department, or I'm not sure if that's external affairs now or whether you have a different. But I think I heard you say that now it's going to be something taxi and paratransit services or taxi and accessible service, something like that. And I think that's wonderful. I really love that idea. I think it's a brilliant conceptual idea to put those two together, and I just want to have you sort of clarify for that or confirm that maybe. Yes, sir. You are absolutely right. At first when there was talk, it was going to be a function within my broader division. However, this will be a direct report to the executive director CEO, Nathaniel Ford, and this will be its own division, and it will be taxi as well as accessible services, merging those two groups together within the functions of the SFMTA. I think that's terrific and a real sign of respect for both the taxi industry and the paratransit and disabled community, and I'm just so happy to hear that. And you touched on this, and you said it wasn't going to be your department's decision or responsibility, but I know there is a lot of interest in the taxi community to have an ongoing body, an advisory group of some kind that would be pretty broadly based and represented in the taxi industry, something akin to the PCC or the Citizens Advisory Committee. But I know that you 
can't speak to that directly tonight or then it's not your decision, but can you tell us a little bit about what the thinking is on that in the long term? Yes, President Gillespie. We are committed to having a body that would apprise us as well as our board about current issues and what would work best in an advisory capacity. But at this juncture, since that does not rest within our auspices, I'm here solely to speak about the advisory group sort of helping us with the implementation plan. But if this were a utopian society and we were moving forward quite naturally, we would be committed to having an advisory group because we feel that's important just as we have the Paratransit Coordinating Council and as we have the Citizens Advisory Group. But that would be a decision if, in fact, this merger is effectuated by the Board of Supervisors, that there would be some entity at a later date that our Board of Supervisors, excuse me, our Board of Directors um, would deem. And just one question on the timeline. You want to convene this working group by August 15th, but what's our target for getting something to the Board of Supervisors as far as a recommendation or a recommendation on a director or any of those kinds of questions? Um, in reference to getting information to the Board of Supervisors, we would probably like to have that done within like October's time frame. I can't give you a specific date because since we're just at this stage, that would be something we would flesh out with the taxi advisory group once they were convened. Right. Okay. That's fantastic. Any other commissioners that have questions before I go to public comment? Anyone? Can you stick around for public comment? I sure can. Thank okay, you very great. Much. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm going to take public comment now, and anyone who would like to speak on this, allow two minutes, and uh, you can just line up and speak. Peter Wood, yellow cab driver. I'm the guy who gets thrown out of the commission all the time, okay, and arrested. I get no driver excuse me, representation here whatsoever. And MTA, I believe, turning this power over to the MTA is atrocious. Simply atrocious. It's a scandalous act is what it is. Okay, 4.41% of this business is handicapped access. Paratransit, 4.1%, if I'm not mistaken. That's hardly justification to turn all the powers over to a handicapped group of people that are not even sensitive to cab driver situations. The people that need to be trained here are the taxi commissioners. Simple enough. We don't have anybody here on board that knows crap about taxi business except you, Paul Gillespie, and you are a puppet to the mayor. as well as it was Commissioner Heineke and Commissioner Oka, who are now members of the MTA. Excuse my <coughs> excitement. But this is a bit severe. This commission has been a lame duck since the very beginning, a rubber stamp for the mayor, whoever he may be. And you, as a sole representative of the drivers, for nine years, excuse me, commissioners, excuse me, public, excuse me, members of the public, for nine years, this man has been representing 7,000 taxi drivers for nine years. Thank you, Ms. Commissioner Paul Gillespie, by the way, for all you've done. And that was not raise the $5 permit fee last year. Or was it this year? That's all you've done. You didn't raise the $5 permit fee like you've done, like it's been done. Thank you. Next Thank speaker. Thank you.
Commissioner Bullig, welcome. You've been naughty. I have one concern, which is that we have three representatives from the taxi industry from different aspects of it, and I hope that the people who make this selection will keep in mind that we need people from a variety of color schemes. I hope that we can make sure that we don't have two or three people from just one color scheme on this committee. And it's also saying that if this is a separate division of taxis, it would be merged with accessible services, raises a question for me, is Muni going to get out of accessible services? No. Oh, okay. Because that kind of, to me, there's a possible implication of that when you say that accessible services will come, I guess, come out of Muni and go into the separate division with taxi cabs. What does that mean in terms of Muni's involvement with accessible services? Thanks. Thank you. I think one clarification to be made is that there's an accessible services program in the Muni buses to make the buses and trains and those things accessible. The concept is to have taxi and paratransit, who are sort of private industry providers of transit services, to be in the same. I think, and I don't want to speak for Ms. Johnson on this, but there's always going to be an accessible program for Muni's regular buses and trains and to allow people to access those vehicles. And that, as I understand it, will probably still stay under. Accessible services is a unit right now in MTA, so that will still exist. It's not going to go away. It's not going to be dissolved just because the taxi cab program comes into MTA. Yeah, let me let Ms. Johnson sort of address this because I don't think it's not right for her. She's really going to be the person who's going to have the answer. President Gillespie, members of the commission, in actuality, the accessible service section would still remain and we would continue to contract out our paratransit service. Nothing would change in that regard. That function currently reports under my division. However, if in fact this merger is effectuated, then accessible services in its current form will be merged with taxi commission. There will be a director that will be responsible for taxis and then you'd still have the accessible services section, which currently has a manager that oversees that on a daily basis, and that would not change. Thank you. You're welcome. Next speaker. My name is Mariah. Can you use the microphone? Yes. My name is Mariah, and in January I will have my 20th anniversary as a taxi driver in San Francisco. And those of you who know me or who have seen me speak know that I'm passionate about one thing in the taxi industry, and that is the K medallions, especially the post-K medallion holders, having the opportunity to be part of the industry. And I'm also passionate about the people on the list who have played by the rules and have waited for years to get their position. And although some people think that that system is broken, it's actually working much better because a lot of people that aren't driving are not getting their medallions. So now we're truly getting dedicated people who have put in many years and really put in the shift. So I would feel very sad if I saw that in that large group of people that are making decisions that we only had one K permit holder, and especially would feel really disenfranchised if that were a pre-K holder because they 
can keep theirs if they're disabled. They can keep it. They don't have to drive. They have none of the stresses that we have as K medallion holders. And I consider the people on the list having a lot of the same problems and same stresses that we have. It's just that at some point they have the chance to, you know, have a little bit of a step up. Like in most companies, you might get a promotion. Well, being a K permit holder is really like a promotion. It's not like we're some kind of empire, but we're just cab drivers who have worked really hard, been diligent, and have a little bit of reward for all that time and effort we've put in. And so I'm passionate that a post-K person would be on the list, and I would love to see also someone from the K list on there. Thank you. Next speaker. Carl McMurrow with the Medallion Holder Association. It's difficult for me to conceptualize what the taxi advisory group really is going to be doing pre-merger. And so I don't really know what the makeup should be, and we'll trust the people at MTA and really look forward to working with Deborah Johnson and the other managers. The comment I would make is that after the merger, I think there will be a similar group, and it will be sort of like a taxi commission to have hearings and filter and buffer information that will then go to the taxi regulator and ultimately to the MTA board, maybe in a synopsized form so the meetings won't be too lengthy. And at that time, I really think the makeup has to be more 6 to 3 or 7 to 2 with the heavier representation being people in the taxi industry because the industry issues are extremely complex and nuanced and Byzantine to the point of being abstruse, and it's really not going to be good to have six people from the public trying to deal with these complex issues. But pre-merger, I don't really have an opinion about that. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bud Hazelcorn, United Taxi Cab Workers. We at United Taxi Cab Workers are very disappointed to hear Ms. Johnson's report. We met with her and Mr. Ford in what we felt was a very good meeting with a lot of understanding about taxi driver issues, including the importance of having fair representation for cab drivers on any advisory panel. In this case, we have an advisory panel for taxi drivers that is heavily weighted against taxi drivers. And, you know, we presented, you know, I mean, we are facing more of the same is the unfortunate circumstance in here, except we've even got more. That's now four to one. You've got medallion holders, color scheme, special events, hospitality, all four of which have consistently not had any concern for taxi driver issues and, in fact, worked against it. You know, drivers are really suffering from a perfect storm of limousines, which are like a plague of locusts on the streets with very little enforcement against them. We have increased gates. We have increased gas. And we have an economy that has brought a very poor year for tourists and business travelers. 
we are not making it. And uh, we find very little sympathy from uh, uh, the Board of Supervisors or the Taxi Commission to that uh, unfortunate fact. We're still waiting for the taxi representative on this board to uh, actually represent us as he was appointed to do. Thank you. Next speaker. Good evening, uh, President Gillespie and fellow commissioners. I'm a little abhorred that Deborah Johnson thinks she knows the cab industry. Um, I thought the advisory group was going to be more weighted toward people who know the industry directly rather than the too many members of the public. I think the members of the public are those on the MTA board and the, and the citizen advisory group that represent the public. To have somebody from the visitors bureau and from the hospitality industry are duplicate positions. And I think it's important that they hear more weighted because it's an advisory group. It's not a voting group that makes decisions. At least it hasn't been decided. And also, I think when you do the, the, the picks, it should be done in public. Nathaniel Ford, I don't think, should just all of a sudden close his eyes and put a name out of a hat without hearing some endorsements of people who, who, should, who we know on there and, and have a say of maybe Nathaniel Ford does not know about some individuals that, that should not be representative of the industry. I think it's a good idea to put the head of the PCC on that, on that advisory group and the representative of the visitors in the Convention Bureau. But I think, I think it's shown with the hospitality industry with representatives that, they, that, 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 that it, there has to be a separation between their job and between the ability of knowing what makes taxi service work better and how to, how to make it work better under an MTA board. So I think it's important that we get a little more say in this and that God just doesn't decide how you form these advisory groups. It sounds like that's happening, and we don't get to have a say on, any, on anything that happens to us. Yet we are actually business people as well as servants of the city, and, and it sounds like they want to continue to make us slaves. So I'd appreciate that they get a little more input before they just put this in concrete. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Uh, commissioners, uh, my name is Emil Lawrence once again. I'd like to speak on the advisory group because I think based on the way it's set up right now, there's not enough transparency in it. The mere fact that they're selected from the base of uh, mostly either equipment lease owners, people that represent cab officials uh, or cab medallions versus if you look at the broad base of the, of the so-called industry, five to 6,000 cab drivers that own absolutely nothing, that don't have a medallion, that have no representation there whatsoever. On an advisory group like this, that this group should be weighted in their favor. And I say that implicitly because if you look at the overall cost, even a so-called budget that was run through this commission to the Board of Supervisors, it's not paid for by the cab companies, it's not paid for by the medallion holders, it's paid for by the non-medallion holders that own virtually nothing, that have no medical benefits, that have no pension benefits, that have no grievance procedure, and they pay for everything because they pay a full gate service to every cab firm of which half goes to the medallion holder, half goes to the cab company. So if you're going to have an advisory group that's hand-selected by Mr. Ford at MTA, it's not going to be worth anything unless it represents the drivers that actually pay for this business, that serve this city, that serve the county, and serve the people as well as overall business in the city. 
So if you're looking at this advisory group, it's going to represent overall views from people that pay all the bills. It should be heavily weighted towards drivers that do not own anything, let alone one medallion. And that's my view. I thank you for my time and your time. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Is there anyone after Barry that wants to speak? Hi. Uh, <clears throat> my name is Barry Korngold. I see there's a new commissioner. So I've been driving in the city 20 years and driving a cab a lot longer than that in the Bay Area. And I just recently received my medallion a couple months ago. Um, and I think definitely there should be a higher percentage of cab drivers on here, you know, medallion holders and regular drivers. There should be at least more, one more medallion holder and uh, another A-card holder. It, it shouldn't be, there shouldn't be so many people from the public or other industries that really don't understand the cab industry. Most, I hate to say it, but most cab drivers probably don't really understand the industry and everybody has a different idea of how, you know, what's going to fix it. And the p general public just thinks there should be a cab on every corner, you know, and they don't understand, like, the difficulties of that and that if you have enough cabs all the time, you're going to have way too many cabs the rest of the time and what cab drivers have to do to be able to, say, get a medallion um, or earn a living if you're not a medallion holder. And I'm kind of disappointed that you want uh, – the medallion holder rep to have had a medallion five years. I mean, I've been driving a cab 20 years. I've been an A-card holder more than eight years, you know, way more than that. I have a lot invested in the industry, and medallion holders really have the most invested in the industry because they have to comply with the driving requirement, and people on the list have a, a high investment in the industry, and they should be definitely included here. I'm not saying they should have a majority, but they should definitely have a larger say, percentage say in this commission. Or, or advisory committee than a third. So I think in England, I think all the ca taxi commissioners are t cab drivers, and it's I think it's ridiculous to have people out of the industry. Maybe I'm wrong there, but it's, it's ridiculous to have people who don't even work in the industry running the industry. So. Thank you. Okay. Good evening. We have one gentleman in this uh, taxi cab industry. He speaks for more than 1,500 drivers and beyond. He speaks for company and he advises for the taxi commission for the betterment of the taxi business. And his name is Mr. Tariq Mahmoud. He is suffering serious back pain since the last three months, but he never missed any taxi, <laughs> taxi commission meeting. He helped the many taxi drivers to hire or some other issues. He is trying to help any times to the drivers. So he is a real friend of the taxi drivers, and he is very honest, disciplined, dedicated, so that he can represent in the newly established taxi advisory group so that he should be given a chance to, re to represent in that 
group so that he will, uh, he will deal with taxi drivers' problems and uh, taxi industries. Whereas UTW is a small organization comprising maybe seven or eight uh, taxi drivers. And once UTW betrayed the taxi drivers, UTW collected the money and nobody knows where did that money go. And UTW Thank you. Thank you. And I'm going to remind people to stay on the public comment topic of the merger. And also, anyone who wants to have a side conversation, please go out in the hallway and show people the respect that they showed you when you spoke. Thank you. Good evening, commissioners and public. Um, this, this thing sounds very wonderful on paper. It's, you know, as far as the commissioners are concerned, it's going to be almost exactly the same setup, but watered down. Drivers get no representation whatsoever. I'm sorry, Paul, you do not represent the drivers. And uh, you should because you are a driver. And uh, nothing has been done for the drivers at any time since you've been the, commissioner, uh, the president of the commission. You know, all that's happened is your little pet projects, your little uh, uh, biofuel and so on and so forth, which is wonderful. I'm all for it. But you do nothing for the drivers. The drivers suffer. We have no uh, gas increase, nothing at all. And I don't think passing this along to the to the next level uh, that they want to do it, I don't think it'll, it'll be any good whatsoever. It will be worse. We won't be able to say, speak our minds as often. It won't be uh, on television as much. People won't watch it as much. It needs to be in the driver's hands. Nobody, absolutely nobody, understands cab driving like cab drivers. And everybody thinks they do. They really do think they do, but they don't. And as far as I'm concerned, you have to have more driver representation. And that's it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Is there anyone else who would like to speak? Hi. Good evening, Taxi Commissioner. This is Mohammed Bouya. We, we are Taxi Cab Drivers Alliance. Yellow is the biggest with 1,800 drivers. We are the one who is dealing with drivers' problem every day. ETW got nothing to do with drivers' problem. We help drivers for their all kind of problems. We want the driver's seat to be given to our representative, Mr. Tariq Mahmoud. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Good evening, Commissioner Tariq Mahmoud, driver at Jallo. Taxi Cab Advisory Committee, I request again, as I mentioned before, that majority of our drivers are Indian and Chinese, and we have no color representation. We want a driver with that kind of representation who can listen to their problems and understand their problem and convey it to the rest of the members. We also want a person who should be able to communicate between the medallion owners, the companies, and the drivers, and standing on its principle, trying to find a compromise in between instead of creating confrontations. We want somebody who should know exactly that the people who use their political power to circumvent the situations, that kind of people should be eliminated by represent, for representation of drivers. We need a serious, honest person who should spend every penny from his pocket and not collect $20,000 a year from the drivers. 
and run their offices and place to sit down there. We don't want anybody who should say, Walsh family took the medallion and that medallion should be returned back to the driver, but later on the same UTW went to Walsh and took his money and his medallions and used for their own few group members. We want an honest driver from the rock bottom of his heart. We want who is totally mentally from every corner and every angle trying to look every minute how he can be helpful to the drivers. Around me, there are 1,800 drivers every day, and I pass through them, I listen to their problems. Somebody is fired for some reason, somebody has other problems, and I go and meet them, and I go and ask the management to solve these issues. I have solved with hundreds of people their problems, got many jobs, and I keep communicating between the parties to solve the issue instead of creating confrontation. Thank you. Thank you. Mark Gruber, I'm not going to dignify you know, the previous remarks by responding to them. You've been listening to this for how many months, these, these attacks. Um, I, I, do, I do want to say that um, th th there is something askew in um, the, 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 the group that's been proposed. I, th I think that uh, drivers do need more representation than um, this would afford them. Uh, the, the issues of the industry are, are very often posed as driver, medallion holder, color scheme. And you know, because each of these is, is a constituency, it seems that an inordinate amount of time of, uh, of, of this commission and of the regula regulation in general is spent on medallion issues, medallion holder issues, and, and succession to medallions, uh, enforcement, and so forth. Um, there, there are a slew of issues that, that uh, need attention in this industry, and yet uh, how much of the commission's time, how much of the MTA's time is going to be spent on medallion holder issues? Uh, gates, meters, um, this uh, prepayment scheme of, of, of yellow cab, which is, has yet to, to been, be discussed at, at this commission. Uh, workers' comp and unemployment, which are an integral part of that. Uh, security deposits, um, long-term leasing, all kinds of leasing issues. Health care. These are the issues. They're, they're not medallion related issues, they're driver related issues. These are the things that need to be discussed. You have one driver representative uh, on this group. Uh, it can easily be outvoted by, by the medallion holder and the color scheme. It, it, it's, it's not Thank you. a fair group. Thank Is there you. anyone else who would like to speak? Please, come right up. Please. Uh, good evening. I'm sorry. Commissioner Gillespie, you get upset if you are. I wouldn't want to talk. I'm fine. Okay. Please. Thank you very much. Two minutes. Well, uh, I just say nothing wrong with this farm. It looks good. Thank you for Ms. Johnson to make hard works, in my opinions. And that's it. Thank you very much. Thank you. David? Yes, uh, David Trotman. I'm a driver at Yellow. I was looking quickly at the uh, this... Uh, proposed uh, structure for the Taxi Commission and 
I see that the uh, drivers are sorely underrepresented uh, given the number of members of the commission. And as you go forward with this, since the drivers who, make, uh, who comprise, and these people with the A cards who comprise the majority of the industry, you might ask yourselves, exactly where has non-representative government worked? I, uh, you know, has it worked here in the U.S.? Has it worked in Iraq? Where around the world has it worked? And if, it ha if you can't come up with a really good example, tell me, please, why should it work here in the taxi industry? Thank you very much. Thank you. Anyone else? Hi. My name is Peter. Um, I'm just learning about this. I really don't think that uh, that this this um, committee is 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 right for. We need more driver representatives. I mean, this country is founded on no you know no taxation without representation. This is the same thing. And who who's the person that's going to decide who's going to do this. Who is the person that's going to decide on this? I think we need at least two or three cab drivers. Cab drivers, you know, they, they carry the industry. They carry this city. If, if the cab drivers in this city ever decided to go on strike, to not work, this city would come to a screeching halt like that. And, you know, it might take something like that to get to get the, the the attention of the city, because every time we have a a vote with the cabs about something in the cab industry, the cabs talk to their passengers, and we usually win. So I think it'd be uh, a good idea to represent the drivers this time, and we never get we hardly ever get anything for us, and we put out a lot. And I love serving the public. You know, I enjoy taking people around and, and doing what I, what I do out there. And most of the drivers do. It's not just a job. It, it, it's a service that we give. So why don't we get something back for change? Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else who would like to speak? Seeing none, public comment is closed. Oh, okay. I'm Jordan Elias, and I'm just a member of the public, and I just feel that after hearing all of this discussion about the cab company having to be put under the MTA's authority, that then they are, would be considered public employees and they should be getting city and county benefits. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Seeing none, then public comment is closed. Commissioners, any other comments? Okay. If, if, if I just yeah. may, um, first of all, I, I too want to thank Deborah Johnson for being here tonight. And I want to say that I, I feel the makeup uh, for the transition plan uh, for the uh, committee members is, is well thought out. And yes, it is reflective of this commission, as it should be, because this is not just about, um, a, it's about two things. It's about a healthy industry, but it's also about service. And so you have to keep that balance whenever you have people weighing the future of a service industry. So I just wanted to say thank you and um, add my two cents that I think it's a good makeup. Thank you. And I'll just add that in the last few months dealing with some of the people in MTA, I really hope the taxi industry gives the MTA a chance because there's some really quality people there, some very smart professional people, starting with Nathaniel Ford and Deborah Johnson, a lot of the people who are going to take on this responsibility are 
And Director Oka has a lot of experience, and the people on the board that I've met are really bright people who have a lot of experience in regulating transit. And this industry needs to be part of this transition and make your voices known and let the MTA know when when you're not happy and where you think something's going wrong or you think we can do better, but really give this process a chance because I think when we integrate into the overall transit system, it's going to be it's going to elevate taxi, it's going to elevate paratransit, and we're going to be part of the overall transit system, and that's something that's going to be a good thing. So those are my feelings. Director Thigpen, is there anything you'd like to add? Or No, I, I want to echo those comments. I've really had a, an enjoyable experience working over the past several months, nearly a year actually, um, with uh, staff at MTA, and I've tried to reassure any individuals in the industry that have come to me that this is really, and members of the public too are concerned, it's just going to be a wonderful thing when it's merged. And, you know, obviously transitions take time, and people are afraid of change sometimes, but change is, a, is an excellent thing um, in, in this case. And if, if the process is shepherded correctly, which I have no doubt that it will be with Nat Ford and Deborah's leadership, um, I think that this merger could be one of the best things that's ever happened in the industry. So. Thank you. Director Oka, I see here. Is there anything you'd like to say? Or I appreciate your presence here tonight. You're someone who really cares about both of our bodies. and. Uh, so I just appreciate your presence here tonight. Absolutely. about this. Okay. First of all, I want to take this opportunity to assure all the members of the public and the paratransit community that we don't intend to do anything but good things with the paratransit coordinator. You'd think I never spoke before. (laughs) But uh, the main thing is this transition is going to take place smoothly and everybody's going to be uh, better off for it. This is nothing but a win-win situation for all of us. And if we, if we need to take our time to get all the ducks in, in a row, all the I's dotted, all the T's crossed, and I want to assure the members of the uh, industry that their voices will be heard because they're my voice too. I ride taxis almost every day. So I know, and I talk to hundreds and hundreds of drivers, drivers per month. So, you know, I hear you. The structure may be a little different, but your voices are not going to be uh, Disregarded. As a matter of fact, you'll be heard better by us, I believe, than you are now. As hard as that seems to be, believe. But I think with with everything that we have going for us, Matt Ford is on your side. Believe me, he wants to make this work as badly as you do. And those of you who don't think this is going to work, Give it a chance. 
Then if it doesn't work, you can you can say I told you so. But this is going to work. It's going to work. I promise you that. Thank you. Thank you, Bruce. Deborah, thank you very much for coming here tonight, and we look forward to working with you and having sort of maybe occasional updates on how things are going over the next several months, and hopefully that will be possible for someone. Okay. So much for giving me the opportunity to be here this evening, and I am committed to come back giving you updates to keep everyone, in a, keep everyone apprised on our progress. So with that, thank you. Thank you very much. Next item. Yes, next item is staff report and commissioner announcements. So um, as usual, uh, commissioners, I have prepared a staff report for you. I just want to draw attention to a couple of issues um, before I invite Sergeant Reynolds up here um, this evening to give his report. And also I'd like to note that I'm joined this evening by Commission Secretary and Outreach Coordinator Tamara Odisho, as well as Investigator Scott Leon. So um, contrary to some fourth estate representations that came out today, um, as you know, from this, uh, this commission's work, we are not tossing any ideas around of a fueled surcharge. We are following the law with regards to the controller's report, which is due by August 1st. I'm informed and believe that that deadline will be met. Thereafter, there are certain deadlines that um, are required with regards to the uh, – can someone shut that door, please? Thanks. Um, with regards to uh, – the specific reporting and, and legislation that has to take place, um, the commission, if it, if it wishes, can make recommendations on the controller's report when it comes out, but is not required to. Uh, there is a specific uh, provision, it's Municipal Police Code, um, Section 1137. So anyone who's interested uh, can review that for the, for the timelines and for um, different bodies' respective roles or lack thereof. As to the Clean Air Taxi Program, I'm happy to report that um, we are into our second week of the uh, vehicle introduction form, which this commission approved in the process for approving vehicles into the fleet. Um, it, it governs. And I would like to say that um, almost everybody has been uh, complying with it. Um, some people have demonstrated a bit of resistance, but um, it's no different than what has already been performed for years with GTU. The only difference is that the vehicle is faxed, I'm sorry, the form is faxed to my office, uh, rather than just directly faxing to Dan at GTU. And that's the only difference. We do provide same-day service, so everyday vehicle forms come in. They come in over the weekend if it's a Monday. I get them all done. I sit down at 5 o'clock every day, and I fill them out. So if I'm not in the office, someone else will perform that duty. We check the scores of the vehicles by running them at fueleconomy.gov, and we have a procedure set up in the office for this. So there's no delays. There's no lag times. Um, there's been some confusion on the form because the taxi meter information is, is on there, and that was because Dan, Dan's form at GTU had had that information. That is not a new creation that I made up on my own or that this commission approved. It was from GTU. So um, I'm informed by Dan that he doesn't actually need that information. So I'm thinking of doing a revised form that doesn't have that on it. Also, people are not listing the fuel type sometimes, so they're not putting CNG or hybrid if it is one. Usually I'm able to figure out that it is, but I always call the people and check it out. Right now, one uh, actually I have three companies right now that are technically out of compliance with the program. Uh, however, since it is at the inception of the program, there are going to be those vehicles that are coming in 
Crown Vicks, um, Ford Windstars, all kinds of vehicles are coming in that uh, Camrys, gasoline Camrys, that um, you know are going to put people out of compliance. But we are, I've, I'm confident from speaking to the um, company managers that those companies are on the right track with their plan. So I'm very pleased um, so far with people's uh, response and reaction to the program. Um, so uh, that being said, though, I will note um, this is important, and this is something that I don't think was noted in the past. Just because a vehicle is approved by my office doesn't mean that a person is, is not violating the program. So I'm approving vehicles because people have made a business decision that they want to bring in a gasoline Crown Vic or they want to bring in a gasoline Camry. That's their decision. And I'm going to approve that vehicle because often there's a driver's income at stake. There's an issue of a medallion serving the public. There's an issue of a vehicle being out on the road. and as you, as you know, we're at the inception of the program. So technically, I can approve gasoline cameras to come in, and later down the road, people can put in a bunch of Ford Escapes and Priuses and bring themselves up, up to code. Okay? So I don't want people to think that just because the vehicle's approved, that, that that's a free pass. It doesn't mean that. It means that there's an ongoing effort of compliance, and everybody has just been really great about complying I wanna, and cooperating with the program. So just want to point that out. Um, Quickly, I just want to say about the uh, grant um, funding, which we've obtained. You know, we made yet another application for grant funding for June 2008 cycle, which is great news. The Department of Environment um, applied for that through the BACMED grant program. So we have that coming, hopefully a large um, portion of grants for that. We will be, we um, have signed contracts with all but uh, two companies right now for the June 2007 grant cycle. I still have some CNG grants from March 2007. If anyone wants them, please contact my office. And then March 2008 will be signed sometime in November or December. And that will be for 51, I think 51 hybrids. So we have quite a bit of money coming in to the industry from that. Uh, I just want to briefly draw attention to Bay Cab. Um, I had to mention that in my, uh, in my report due to the fact that this commission had indicated a compliance window for BACAB to obtain workers' compensation insurance by July 2, 2008. That deadline was not met. Um, I provided the commissioners with a copy of a letter uh, that I had to send to BACAB uh, as a result of the lack of compliance. Um, I did send that letter on July 6, which was after the deadline for the uh, agenda. Um, so I received this evening a, a a notice um, from uh, Mr. Roger Cardenas indicating that some of the medallions, if not the majority of them, are apparently now receiving workers' compensation. However, I just received this at the, uh, at the beginning of the hearing, so I have not yet had occasion to call Dimitri, the broker, and figure out if these are actually, you know, what's, what's happening here and if the coverage would meet the Commission's mandate. So I just wanted to give you that update. Um, see what else uh, I think I think that's about it for now most everything else is in the report um, I will also say uh, last commission hearing that, that I was present um, because I wasn't here as you know on June 24th Mr. Grasshopper Kaplan came forward to the commission and inquired about obtaining a refund on a color scheme change that he wanted to do specifically he wanted to alter his color scheme to include a, a particular message on the back of the vehicle um, that uh, item was continued, and ultimately, Mr. Kaplan's color scheme, existing color scheme, was revoked. It's currently on appeal at the Board of Appeals. Um, 
Mr. Kaplan's request was to paint a particular message. And the commission looked into this, the staff looked into this request. As far as we could tell, and this was by viewing photographs from the investigation of his color scheme, Grasshopper Cab Company, Mr. Kaplan actually availed himself of his request without actually receiving permission. That's what investigation shows so far. So he basically applied, didn't get permission, but went ahead and did it anyway. And is now asking for a refund. So that is what preliminary investigation demonstrates, because we did want to look into that, you know, pursuant to his request. We're going to keep doing investigation and give him an opportunity to explain himself as to why he apparently availed himself of that opportunity without receiving permission to do so. So that's about it right now. I will now invite Sergeant Reynolds to come forward and give his report. I have one question on the report. In regards to Bay Cab, through the chair and to Mr. Owen, what is the status about a medallion holder buying his own workers' compensation insurance? I mean, that's a question right there. Is that within compliance of the rule, or are they not allowed to do that? They would be allowed to do that. So he can't charge the medallion holders. He can demand that the individual medallion holders purchase their own workers' compensation insurance individually. The requirement is that all drivers be covered by workers' compensation. That's the extent of the requirement. It doesn't specify who buys it, what business arrangement the parties want to enter into, et cetera. I see. Then who's responsible for the compliance on the timeline? In other words, if his contract is different than what other companies are doing, for example, let's say Yellow Cab purchases all of the workers' compensation insurance for the individual cabs or medallions, and then, in other words, the medallion holder doesn't have to buy it separately for himself. I don't even know if they require it. If he drives his own cab under that medallion system, how does that relate to our requirement for medallions to be insured? In other words, if a guy's a medallion holder and he's not going to be covered by insurance on himself, is that the case, or is he going to be covered if he's driving a cab for Yellow Cab? He's not going to be covered, but the vehicle is going to be covered, and drivers who take the vehicle out are going to be covered by that workers' compensation policy, and that satisfies the requirement of the rules. But not him when he's driving. That's correct. So a medallion holder has no workers' compensation insurance? Is that what you're saying? Generally, no. They're not employees. I don't know. That seemed confusing to me when I was reading this. Do you pick up on that, any of the other commissioners? Because I see that as a difference between one company and another company and who's going to be covered and who's not going to be covered, and what's the intent of that ruling to have compensation insurance? How would it be that all of these medallion holders are going to be? We have 1,500 medallion holders, essentially, that are not covered with workers' compensation, and I think the intent of the idea of having workers' compensation insurance was to have the color scheme pay for it so that all drivers of all cabs are covered. I don't know. I wasn't here at the inception of it. The only question I have is who, in fact, is actually paying for this workman's comp? Because 
it seems to me that if a company is going to the medallion holders and charging them for the work comp, they would be bailing like crazy right now and moving to other color schemes because they wouldn't be making as much money. So what I would like to know is how much are the drivers getting charged now for their shift? I think that's a better question because it doesn't make sense to me that anybody would stay there to make less money. They'd be moving those medallions. Yeah, but if it's a higher lease payment, then the drivers are paying the work comp. My question was in regards to their fee. It wasn't as to where the price was coming from. I think, Mr. Owen, are we getting a little off the agenda item here in terms of this discussion? Well, I don't think we are because it's specifying exactly what he's charging, and that was part of the staff report. So the point I'm trying to make, is that a question of the staff report for us to understand? Is there something in there that we're missing? That's the question I want clarified. Where is it supposed to be coming from? The workers' comp, is it supposed to be? The commission rules at this point don't specify if that's something you want to pursue. In terms of future rule change, we can discuss that. Okay. Well, it doesn't specify, so he's not necessarily in a violation. That's correct. Through the chair, just to follow up on that, not to discuss it, I'm such a visual person that it was great when our executive director made a flow chart of the lease situation, and maybe there could be some sort of flow chart done of all the scenarios of this workers' comp situation. As it appears, there are several that we're not completely aware of. Is that a possibility through the chair to the executive director? Absolutely. Thanks. I do be willing to take this up in the context of the rules committee and maybe make some arrangements for Commissioner Benjamin to get there, because I know that it's hard for you to get to that meeting. I was excluded from it. No, you're not excluded. It's just that we can't have a quorum. We can't have a quorum of four commissioners. But if one of us ---- Well, through the chair to the city attorney, can we not invite a commissioner in to give a presentation if there are three others? It's open to the public. Anyone can be there. It's not as though we're ---- No, that's a problem. No, we can't discuss policy with four of us in a room. It's a matter that's going to come before the full commission at some point. I believe Mr. Rowan told me at one of the meetings that I attended where it would have been more of a quorum that I should be even present as a spectator, and I left. Correct? That's correct. Yes. And so what I'm saying is that maybe we can make arrangements for either me or Commissioner Breslin or Commissioner Onetto to not be there sometime so that we can have you participate in this discussion is what I'm saying. I got you. I forgot to mention one thing in my staff report, and that is the issue of prepayment at Yellow Cab. Yes. This is an issue that I've received multiple e-mails and communication from all kinds of people, literally dozens of people since I've been back. As you know, I was gone for two weeks. I'm surprised by how many people have contacted about this, and so I want to schedule a meeting with Yellow Cab personnel to discuss it. That's my next course of action on that issue. And Director Thigpen, you know, and I have discussed this because I, too, being the driver rep and working at Yellow, I've gotten 
literally hundreds of inquiries about what this policy is, how it's going to affect drivers, whose idea is it, where did it come from, why are we doing it. So there's a lot of questions that had to be answered. And, you know, I've talked about this as far as starting to do some research into this policy and where it came from. And it didn't get on tonight's agenda, but it will be discussed at this taxi commission before the date of it's supposed to go into effect in August. So that's my commitment. And I'm hoping that it can be the second meeting in July, but it might be the first meeting in August. Okay. Now Sergeant Reynolds. Sorry. Good evening, Commissioners, Executive Director, honored guests. It's been a busy two weeks for us, to say the least. First of all, I want to put out that the Executive Director's Program of Open Forum has really opened the doors in a lot of respects. We are getting tips. We are getting information. We are getting so much intel with regards to what's happening within and outside the industry with limousines. You'll hear me reporting on a number of arrests that were made this week, a number of investigations, and unfortunately, a number of suspensions, which we have done two out of the six that are currently pending. So I want to, again, let everybody know that you can send any kind of information. If you have a problem with anybody in the industry, if you have a problem with limousines, if you feel as a driver you're being cheated by a color scheme, any kind of problems at all, you can leave a message at sfpdtaxidetail at yahoo.com. I will get that information, and we will look into all of it. Can you repeat that e-mail address? Because that's a great, new, easy-to-understand, publicly accessible e-mail address. Yes, sfpdtaxidetail. All one word? All one word, at yahoo.com. Okay. There you go. No more excuses. So first of all, I would like to talk about the Medallion 82 issue that I brought to your attention at the last meeting. Two people have been suspended, and there are two pending in that investigation. One of the issues that has really raised my concern is that almost none of the medallion holders are in compliance with 1124 MPC, which basically states if you lease your taxicab permit to a third or fourth person, the police department shall be notified of that lease and a copy sent to the police department within 10 days. We have very few of those on file, and it is a violation not to do that, and so I am notifying the industry that they need to be in compliance with that rule. Just clarify what you're asking for. Whenever a medallion is leased to another person, the second, third, and fourth layers that we've been talking about in the last several months, that lease has to be sent to the police chief, to the taxi detail, and kept on file so we actually have a copy of that lease knowing what the agreements are. The taxi detail has almost no leases in files for any of these that are being brokered out. So again, it's something, it's a section 1124 of the MPC code. I'll be more than happy to present that to anybody. I will send a blast fax out with that information, and then we want to start collecting these leases. Next of all, I want to again thank Vice President Breslin for her ongoing support with the limousine and the hotel industry. We again had a meeting last week, which was very productive. The PUC joined us. 
I felt that we all learned some new issues. The hotels, again, are in compliance. They're wanting to work with us. I've got a couple of emails that a couple of new hotels are now coming on the bandwagon and also limiting the limousine contact at the front desk and using the cab industry also. So unless there's any other information on that, it's ongoing. I think it's just getting better, and I'm very pleased with the way that direction is going. Third, on July 1st, we had a cab driver hit and run an unmarked police vehicle in a surveillance, in a undercover surveillance. The cab driver had to be chased down. He was arrested, and there's a criminal investigation going on. We are going to be doing probably a suspension on that driver. However, we want to let the criminal case run first to see how that's going to go so we don't interfere. In 2005, the taxi detail received numerous complaints about American Cab Company. An investigation was done in 2005, and the taxi detail came up with a number of violations for that company. Those violations apparently were corrected. Citations were issued. Again, recently we have been getting a number of complaints, again, about American Cab. So last week we did another inspection along with the fire department. At the conclusion of that investigation, the fire department issued 11 complaints for fire violations. We are doing an investigation on the company for how it handles its lost and found, and also for overcharging drivers for various items. So that's an ongoing investigation, and as time goes on, I will report more to you on that. On the 4th of July weekend, we had four drivers that were stopped, detained, and issued misdemeanor citations. And then we also had one driver that was accused of sexual battery. With regards to the four that were issued citations and released, three of them were for speeding. One had a person in the vehicle who was doing 50 miles an hour in a 25-mile-an-hour zone. Out of those four, then the fourth one, of course, was an unlicensed and unpermitted driver. Out of the four, two did not have A cards, none of them had ID cards, and two did not have badges. It's becoming apparent to me out of all of the arrests and the stops that the San Francisco Police Department are making, nobody is carrying an employee ID card. Also, the amount of A cards that we still have that have not been renewed this year is showing by the amount of arrests we're making where these folks do not have A cards and do not have badges. Yesterday and today, our office was flooded with a number of drivers that have not had a current A card since last year and are now asking the taxi detail to give them special preference in issuing A cards seven months after they were due, and we are turning all of those people away. It is my belief that because of the enforcement efforts made by SFPD that the pressure is on and they're knowing that we are pulling them over. It is my decision that we are now going to put 311 complaints somewhat on the back burner. We have been catching up. 
but it's my decision that we are going to put both Paul, Cynthia, and myself, we are all going to work one day a week on the streets attempting to enforce our own drivers to make sure that they are in complete compliance with all the rules and regulations of the code. As long as you comply with all the rules and the regulations, you have nothing to fear from the taxi detail. So I just wanted to let that be known that we are going to be out there enforcing. The limousine enforcement is still going on. And let's see. Finally, yesterday, well, I should back up. On April 29th of this year, I received an anonymous complaint about Medallion 9045. And that complaint was that the owner of that medallion had broken into the meter and had reset the meter to increase his fares. Yesterday, the taxi detail received a complaint from a passenger that was in vehicle 9045, which had no seat belts, and apparently the emergency crash bags had been deployed and were just duct taped back into the vehicle. The vehicle was sent to GTU, where it was deemed one of the worst vehicles they've ever seen with a number of mechanical violations. The vehicle was blackballed and put in the yard. Today, I contacted Weights and Measures. That vehicle was taken to their facility, was tested, and in fact, the meter seal had been removed and the meter had been set to increase the fares by 10%. So we are doing an ongoing investigation in that, and I think I have approximately three or four other anonymous complaints on other vehicles alleging the same kind of behavior. So as I said, it has been a very busy week for us, and that kind of concludes my report. I'm sure there are some questions. Mr. Slaughter? Just to follow up on that very last one, 9045, what was the company? It was a long-term lease, yellow. So the medallion was a pre-K or post-K medallion? I guess I just don't understand what investigation needs to be done beyond instituting proceedings to have that medallion revoked. What else do you have to do in this industry to get this commission ready to revoke the medallion? I mean, it's a question to the rest of us at this table, and I appreciate you tracking it down, but I want stuff like that brought up to us, given a decision, let us vote on it quickly. I mean, it follows up with something, part of your report just before that about aid cards and badges not being there, and I know this is going to come up later on in another of our agenda items that we're going to take. And we have, and I know that this is going to be, it relates into the brokering or not brokering, but we have authority over drivers, medallion holders, and color schemes. And nothing's going to start happening until we start actually imposing consequences to violations. I think that we have to do what we can to streamline that process and force it so that folks realize there's consequences. And I know that you guys are stretched to the limit, and I appreciate that you're going to head out onto the street, and clearly the people are starting to call for their aid cards. But, you know, this 9045 just drives me nuts. You've got to be kidding. Like, what else are we going to do to 
But what else has to happen for someone like that to lose their medallion? Anyway, sorry for my rant. Well, good, good point. Uh, Any other commissioners? Yeah. Uh, you answered one of my questions by uh, explaining that this was a long-term lease. How many uh, other of these uh, complaints have we been getting, the serious ones, where drivers don't have aid cards and they're uh, driving the cabs and what have you, all the complaints that you've just recently found out about are uh, gas and gate as opposed to long-term lease? Commissioner, unfortunately, with, with the schedule that I have, I, I get these complaints, I put them in a priority, and some of them have just been sitting on my desk, so I actually have not investigated. No, I'm not in asking about the investigation. I'm talking about the ones where you've taken action. How much have you found to be the difference between long-term lease? Uh, a person's driving a cab and the cab company doesn't know who's driving the cab. That's right. not really a problem if it's a gas and gate. That's the point I'm trying to get to. Right. Are these problems correctable? And is it more so correctable if they're gas and gate as opposed to long-term leases? I keep hearing this long-term lease as the basis for a lot of these question mark ideas that are coming up recently with who's behind the wheel of the cab. We don't know. And the one that you referred to with 82 is yes. a prime example of that. And I think you'll be pleasantly surprised when this discussion goes on in agenda item number seven that these medallions are now going to be under a gas and gate, which will correct a lot of that control problem. I want you to answer that question, if you can, about of the uh, citations that were issued, are, are they long-term lease, these ones where the guys are e-cards and we don't know who's behind the wheel? As I said, this is Tuesday. I walked into this this morning. All of these have to be investigated, plus all the other investigations. So I don't have that information for if you. If you can, when you're, when you're going over yes, some of this, come back to us the next time with some idea of, about what my uh, point is, if you can. I, I will do that. Appreciate sure. it. Mr. Breslin? Okay. Um, first of all, Sergeant, thank you very much for spending the time you are with the uh, hotels, with the industry, with the whole hospitality industry in general, um, to make sure that all of the different administrations are on the same page. It was very important to have the PUC present along with yourself and others and the uh, MTA. MTA was there, MTA yes, sorry. as well. Um, now, I did have, uh, along the lines of Commissioner Benjamin and uh, of this blank out of your name? Slaughter. <laughs> Commissioner Slaughter. I'm sorry. Uh, I apologize. Along the lines of what they opened up about enforcement questions. Yes. Um, especially with the taxi that hit the police car, was that driver suspended while he's being investigated? I have not had a chance. As I said, I think I have four suspensions to write up. And then I walked into Tay with the, the, the vehicle that the meter, and it was believed that, that before that meter would be readjusted or be destroyed that we needed to get that information. So I rob one to do the other. As I said, we are down to three people in the unit. Oh, I, I, I'm not faulting you. I'm just asking no. the question because I, I do want to make the point that I believe swift action does have to be taken. Yes. And we've had several cases where uh, we haven't suspended a driver who has been in accidents and we've allowed them to keep on driving or a driver who has um, sped, you know, dangerously. And, and I would like to see those A cards suspended while an investigation is going on. If there's a way we can help you with this, um, I would like to do that. The second part of it is, um, the, all of the individuals, um, the numbers of people you say are coming to get their A cards renewed because they didn't do it seven months ago, um, and you mentioned you're turning everyone, 
turning them away. I'm wondering, do we have any penalty attached to this that we don't have to turn them away but can really give them a strong penalty instead? We do have a penalty procedure. We have them due by December 31st every year. There is then a grace period until January 31st. And this is pursuant to business and tax code that the city has passed the penalties, and this is applicable to all permits and licenses. Penalties then increase in a percentage basis over the months of February through April 30th. As of April 30th, the permit is deemed canceled and revoked by operation of law. The person then reapplies, so they go to taxi school all over again and start the process again. So that is the penalty that they're paying, the fee to go to taxi school, paying the application fee, being fingerprinted again, and going through the process all again after April 30th. We do not issue any special favors to anyone. They are to come to my office. They have a special procedure that they utilize to do that, and they are not to go to taxi detail. They will be turned away. If any are found obtaining an A-card in a manner that is not pursuant to the procedure, that will be grounds for revocation of the permit pursuant to complaint. Okay. Thank you. And we don't hold over any penalties against a future application then at this time? Yeah. They have to start all over. So it's a start over. Okay. Can I just follow up on that point? By April, if they haven't, due in December, grace period of January, escalates up. By April, it's revoked. Does that mean that they're not allowed to drive? Correct. Okay. And is there any way, are we informing the cab companies about people who aren't allowed to drive so that they're not knowingly putting drivers out there who don't have A-cards? We take many steps to inform many parties. This year, we also took the step of informing DAJA, which is the airport, you know, where they swipe the card to go in and out of the airport and to pay the fee that they do there. We even informed them. We've informed the individuals themselves and then the color schemes as well, and we send multiple notices, yes. And then presumably, if the color scheme is aware of somebody without an A-card driving their cab, there will be consequences to that color scheme as well, correct? That is correct. Okay. Thank you. Just to follow up a little bit, Commissioner Slaughter, at Yellow Cab, for instance, you have to show your A-card by January 31st. Every driver has to show it. So there are companies where it's pretty hard to get out without an A-card unless you're leasing off the books, and that's another story. I don't know about if that's true for all color schemes, but perhaps we ought to consider, you know, mandating that color schemes see everyone's A-card by January 31st or something like that. This just ties into what Sergeant was talking about earlier, about everybody pulling over, no one's having badges, no one's having cards, and clearly some color schemes do this better than others, but it's certainly been my experience getting into cabs regularly that you don't see identification, and I think we need – I realize that it's part of a larger issue, leasing, how it all works, but it deserves attention, I guess, is all I'm saying. And just to follow up, when you find that some of these people don't have their A-cards or badges, are you saying that they don't have one or it's not on them? They do not have them. That they don't have an A-card? They're expired. Okay. I mean, that's my only point. That's more serious. Yeah, if it's expired and there should be consequences to them, which is, by the way, you're not going to get another one because you've been driving without one, and number two is I think there should be consequences to the color scheme. I mean, I think we have to put incentives in the places where, you know, in the spots in the process where the folks who have the most influence and easiest enforced 
you know, we can't enforce this on a daily basis. But, boy, if the color schemes thought that there was going to be a consequence to people without A cards driving under their color, I guarantee you that they would start enforcing that rule. And so, you know, that's my only point. That would only work, though, on the gas and gates. The long-term leases where you may not know the control. Well, that's why I sort of said it's part of a larger issue, and I think we need to consider how the various arrangements and what's going to be permitted. And you could have a leasing arrangement. I'm not opposed to leasing arrangements, but you could certainly envision a leasing arrangement that had solely the color scheme leasing directly from the medallion holder. And if someone's going to manage, you know, if there's more than one medallion, if it's a pre-K medallion, medallions, if someone's managing it, well, let's make sure it's the color scheme managing those medallions, not somebody else. And that's, you know, you don't have to eliminate leasing to allow the color schemes to have more control over who's in their gaps, is all I'm saying. I have no more questions or thank yous at this time. I'm sure there will be future. I do have a question of Sergeant Reynolds. Thanks for being here and enjoy stirring everybody up. I want to get back to the Municipal Police Code number 1124, I believe. That's correct. I want to make this clarify in my own mind. You are to receive copies of all the long-term leases. Now, you said from the medallion holder to the driver. Are you also supposed to receive the leases that go from the medallion holder to the color scheme to the driver? I have this section right here if you would like me to read it to you word for word. Okay. Provided that a taxi cab permit is operated in compliance with all other applicable laws, statutes, rules, and regulations, a taxi cab permittee may operate his or her permit by authorizing others to drive or operate pursuant to said permit under any otherwise lawful lease, employment, or other agreement. A true and correct copy of such lease, employment, or other agreement shall be filed by the permit holder with the chief of police within 10 days of the execution of that agreement. Nothing in this section shall be deemed to modify, limit, or excuse the obligation of any permittee pursuant to the provisions of sections 1123 of this article. I have my interpretation of what you just said. I'll wait to hear from City Attorney Owen to come forward with his interpretation at a later time. But are there any penalties attached to this? My understanding is if you look at the very end of the MPC section, any violations of these rules can be considered either a misdemeanor or an infraction, punishable by jail time or fine, or both. You answered my question. That comes under section 1185 MPC. I have one question about ACARDS. If they expire, is that person removed from the list of potential medallion holders? If he no longer has an ACARD, is his name taken off the list? No, we have not 
yet adopt any um, procedure of purging people. We just wait until, you know, they come up on the list. Um, someone came by the office the other day and actually made a request that we purge the list of people who might be dead or uninterested, you know, and not, not want to be on the waiting list anymore because this person was complaining about their position on the waiting list and saying there's probably hundreds of people who, you know, don't want it anymore. But the process itself actually takes care of that because as medallions come up, we send out notices and then people who fail to respond by the deadline or who are otherwise unqualified, you know, then they are removed from the list. So. Can, can I follow up on that? I mean, I, I think is, is the issue, uh, you have to be an ACARD holder to get your medallion. You have to be an ACARD holder to submit your medallion application. And presumably, you need to be an A-card holder continually from the time that your application comes in until your number comes up. Yes. If, is, is that right or not right? No. That is not the case because okay. some of the individuals on the waiting list came there 10, 13 years ago, et cetera. You do have to fulfill the driving requirement. So a person could have obtained a position on the waiting list several years back, 10 years back. And then as long as they had the A-card and were fulfilling the driving requirement in the years required, then they would meet the requirement. I understand. And even then, there's one year that they could miss. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's almost 8 o'clock, yeah. so again, my policy is going to be only to take public comment from those people that I have a card for on agenda item 5, the public special order public comment. I'm sorry, I just want to say one more thing. And we'll yes. to the staff report. And we're going to, what we're going to do is go back to the staff report, okay. including public comment on the staff report after we do the 8 o'clock special order. So anybody who wants to speak under public comment, get your cards in within the next minute. And then I'm going to divide the number of cards by the number of speakers, put it into 30, and that'll be how long you get to speak. I just want to say one thing. Um, I received my appointment to full director on July 1st, 2008. So I was pleased. Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> um, but in the course of... Um, Receiving that appointment, um, I reviewed, I've, I have been, as you know, reviewing Article 16 for... Excuse me. There's a lot of hubbub in the room right now. I want to really keep that down so we can show respect to the people who are speaking. Thank you. I've been reviewing Article 16 um, in depth um, for several months. And in the course of reviewing it, as well as a member of the police department bringing to my attention that um, my office and this commission is actually supposed to be issuing permits for sightseeing and interurban buses. And frankly, we need more work and more investigations and like we need a, <laughs> yeah, and well, and jitneys and motorized rickshaws and yeah. segways which are illegal and other motorized vehicles. So I'm in the process of developing a plan for how we're going to integrate these vehicles um, into the work of the commission because frankly, um, there are a lot of those and most of them are actually regulated by the CPUC. It's actually a very small number of them that we would actually be issuing permits for. But I just want to bring that to your attention that we are looking at it because um, I don't want to be in a situation where an incident occurs with an unpermitted vehicle um, and, you know, we should have been issuing a permit for it all along. So, again, I just want to give you a heads up that that issue is something that I am aware of and I'm looking to bring this commission into compliance with. Again, we don't need another class of vehicles to regulate, but it is in the code and we do have to follow the code. So. Okay, thank you. We're going to continue the staff report and public comment on the staff report at 8.30, but right now we have 15 cards, so we're going to go for two minutes on public comment. First two speakers are Emil Lawrence and Barry Toronto, and we'll, hopefully we can get people lined up so that they can come right up when the previous speaker's finished. I just have one brief comment to make. Um, I know Sergeant Reynolds brought up the fact that some of the taxi drivers don't have uh, their badges with them.
the last batch of badges that came out of the police department, I believe, were made in China, and the pins are so brittle, they break right off. They don't compare to any of the old badges that were produced years ago where the pin sticks on. These are almost garbage. And I've lost mine for the third time in less than 22 months. Not to the fact that I lost it. It just broke off. Simple as that. Uh, I don't know who did the, uh, the request for those or how that works, but I think this commission should look into it because if it happened to me, it must have happened to literally hundreds of other drivers. Secondly is that I think that uh, the taxi detail has enough computer power to carry around a list of A-cards that were expired versus drivers that don't have A-cards at all, so they'll know right on the spot whether this driver has an expired A-card or he has an A-card, he doesn't have one at all. Because there's a certain percentage of drivers, when I worked at American Cab, they would put a mechanic into a cab at night when the driver didn't show up. And I knew they didn't have an A-card. So I think that's on the table with, uh, that can be implemented quite easily for the taxi detail and I saw so it would be good for the industry at large. That's all I have. Thank you. Thank you. Barry Toronto and then Bill Mouncey. Good evening, Commissioners. I was not here last meeting and I'm glad I missed it uh, to get take a break because I would like to say that I think it's abhorrent that there's a continuing of violations of the Sunshine Ordinance constantly. I see some improvement tonight and I hope, President Gillespie, that you show up at the, at the meeting on the 22nd uh, of the Sunshine Order Task Force to deal with my complaint. Because if you don't, to put a, send a staff person who had nothing to do with controlling your actions or your behavior would be, would be a coward. Um, the, other, the other issues regarding um, my concerns is that there's an article in today's paper of the examiner about the fuel surcharge, which has not even come before you. And I think you ought to be embarrassed that you have not insisted that your president has not even brought up for discussion preliminarily what to do about the increasing cost to the drivers for, for going out there and working. And, and I want to let you know, if you want to continue to put them under slave labor, I think Commissioner Slaughter only sounds the only one in commission of sensitivity about this issue. And, and that means at this point it could be till October 1st before any type of increase occurs because of all the, the public process that has to go through. And, all, and the next issue is about the limousines. I go to dance clubs once in a while, and not one time do I go, there's not a limousine or a town car soliciting saying, taxi, taxi. And I'm really concerned that it's going on, on and on and on, and it's got to stop somewhere. Now, in closing, uh, I saw there was a hearing on June 6th to approve a taxi stand at the bar station at 24th and Mission. The placement of it is, is almost half a football field away from the intersection. I, have, I, wanna, I filed official complaint contesting the location. It's useless to waste money on a cab stand that will be unenforceable, unavailable for cab drivers to use, and will be unseen by the, pa by the people who will need the taxi and the cab drivers uh, who will use it. In closing, you should hear about these cab stands before they take place. Bill Monsey and then uh, Robert Pitcher, Bitka. Sorry. Robert Mike Bitka. Evening, Commissioners, again. Um, my name is Bill Monsey, taxi driver in San Francisco for 16 years. Anyway, what I'm trying to get at is 
Sergeant Reynolds is a blessing to you people. He informs you about what is going on. Cab drivers know this. I know all about this every day. Well, you know, what about all the limousines with no license plate numbers? They take the license plate number off and they put, and there's no number to call that number in their window. So they, they, they know that people are calling them in at, and for, for picking people up illegally. I know that um, the other day I, 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 some limousine driver picked up several girls in front of me. I pulled in front of him. I told him to, 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 to not pick up people. A police car came down. I told him what happened. He said, move on. It's none of your business. I swear to God. So are the police not informed? Do the police not enforce this law? Isn't, isn't there something wrong with this city when the police are not enforcing laws? Is somebody being paid off? Is something happening? What is going on? Anyway, they're traveling around there all night long picking people up. I didn't make minimum wage last, last Saturday night. I made less than minimum wage. And there were limousines everywhere picking people up. So they're taking money right out of my pocket. I used to make a hell of a lot more money than I make now with the limousines, the gasoline charges, and, uh, uh, and the, the gate increases. My, my money has gone down significantly, a lot more than it used to go be. I mean, I, I'm making uh, $80 to $100 a night less. See, commissioners, you don't know about this. Nobody knows about this until, unless you're told. And the cab drivers are the people who know. And Sergeant Reynolds is the best thing that's happened to this tax commission in a long time. Thank you. Robert Bitka. Robert Bitka and then uh, Marnie Smith. Hello. My name's Robert Bitka, and I work in computer dispatch at Yellow Cab. On Friday night, the 27th of June, at about 5.30 p.m., I spoke to a man who was staying at the Holiday Inn, or I'm sorry, at the Hilton on Kearney, and he said that he wanted to arrange for a cab to go to Berkeley at 6 o'clock. He said that the hotel staff had told him that the trip would cost about 75 or $80. Now, I don't know exactly what the conversation was with the hotel staff, but he wouldn't have called Yellow Cab if he hadn't had trouble getting a cab from the hotel. Okay? So uh, I think... One thing that I'd like to point out is I think this particular hotel made some kind of a statement before the taxi commission about a year and a half ago about uh, cooperating with the commission and the industry in not steering people to the town cars. Um, you know, Charles Rathbone stood up here a couple of weeks ago and said that it's a fait accompli, that we should just accept the fact that the uh, limos are here. This is a high-end market. There's a lot of money out there. These hotels are expensive to stay at. Uh, there's a lot of money. People want to take the limo, so it's true from that point of view. But um, the uh, hotel industry has aided and abetted the growth of the town cars, and it's been done pretty much with the tacit uh, acceptance of the Newsom administration and the Brown administration. Okay, so there... Okay. There is no applause in the taxi commission, okay? I don't want to get mean about this, but it, it just disrupts the atmosphere. People get intimidated. It becomes kind of a shouting match and applause match, and people go for that response. So, please, there's no applause. Thank you.
Calm down, Paul. I wanted to say one other thing, and that is that Commissioner Breslin has pointed out there's a difference between an illegal limousine and a legal limousine. However, I think for the purposes of the industry, they're the same, and I think the hotels have aided the growth of that industry. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. If I may, with a point of information, just for the public's information, Sergeant Reynolds brought the particular case that was just brought up in public comment to my attention and has been investigating it. And, Sergeant, if this is the hotel that I believe it is, has said that they have resolved this with the driver and resolved the whole issue, or no? Am I confusing it with a different case? This particular hotel has been one of them that have been in the forefront trying to push reform. Unfortunately, there are one or two doormen that are rogues. They know that they're rogues and that they're asking for our cooperation to help them reel them in. So I ask again, everybody, please be patient. I do believe we're making a difference. Today I just found out that San Jose is being perplexed with the same problem of limousines, and they actually asked to come up here to see how we're solving the problem. So it's not just San Francisco. It is everywhere. Los Angeles, they want me to come down and testify about the way bills because they don't even have a section in Los Angeles that fines them for way bill, not having an active way bill in a limousine. So, again, this is statewide. This isn't just unique to San Francisco, and we are doing everything. And I'll be darned. I'm going to do so. I'm going to make a change. This unit is going to make a change. Thank you. That is the point I wanted to make is that this is not going unnoticed, and the management of the hotels are reacting and working with Sergeant Reynolds. Thank you. Marty Smith and then Peter Witt. Good evening, Commissioners. Madam Director, I'm going to be filing for a new color scheme tomorrow, to be exact. And I would like the Commissioners to waive any of the color scheme changes that I have to do for the simple reason this is not my fault that this is happening, and I have seven packets for the Commissioners to see. And, you know, it was unfortunate that the partner that I have, we were not getting along, and they had denied some documents, and I'm passing these documents over to you. And I don't want any problems with them. And the Commission office evidently lost some paperwork that was given to them early on to verify what my portion of the company would be, and it didn't happen. So I found myself having to file for a new color scheme and just move away and not make waves. So I'm just asking for a waiver of the fees for color scheme change. Thank you. You want to ask that question, Commissioner Brown? I do. I just want to ask what the process would be if that was something, you know, to consider here, since the color scheme has to go to the Commission office before we even get it. So how does that work? The way that that would work is that we would take the check, and we would, I mean, the check 
typically the, the fee is for processing the application. So as you know, we're cost recovery. So we have to take these steps to process the application regardless. Um, you know, he's making this inquiry. So if it is your will to direct the office to hold the check, um, you know, uh, then you make a decision on the color scheme or also on the fees. However, that's a precedent. So maybe the city attorney could weigh in here. I don't know. Short answer is unless the Board of Supervisors has given you the authority to waive the fees, you do not have that authority. Right. That would have been my instinct. <laughs> Sorry, Marty. <laughs> Bring him to small claims court. Yeah. Thank you. Peter Witt and then uh, Roger Cardenas. Commissioners, Peter Witt, yellow cab, 20 years, the guy gets thrown out from this commission and arrested all the time by SFPD for no good reason. Um, this is half of my uh, 08 survey, customer survey. 485 customers have been surveyed. This is the response. They also have a number of uh, extra comments on the back of these surveys. Um, you know, I'm a little hesitant uh, because, uh, you know, uh, my faith is in this commission is completely, uh, well, d there is none. And, um, uh, you know, good faith has not been served here. Uh, my, and I am the public, mind you, a driver, rep a driver uh, and a public citizen, by the way. Um, I turn these surveys in and they get destroyed. They get thrown out with the trash every year except for one in 04, I believe. And, uh, well, last year you have a copy this year because I gave you a second copy that cost me approximately $35, a copy. This is half of that. Uh, uh, I, a thousand is what I do, and that will be complete in about a month. Um, this, these are the numbers that I generate, uh, the percentages, uh, the categories. The, if the writing could stay out of the way there, I can see... You can see the different categories. Here is the uh, preliminary review that, I give, that I've given it in 05 and 06, and I you have given you a copy of that, and that has been destroyed. Uh, commissioners, um, I have made a formal request as to uh, who is destroying the videotapes once they get to the commission from uh, SFGTV. They're handed to this commission. You get a copy, and they uh, evidently have been destroyed. I'd like to know why and who ordered that. And I think you should make a formal inquiry as to that. Uh, also, the minutes uh, should be corrected, I believe. And 11.04 and 11.03 in the limo laws should be reinstated. They were X'd by this commission. Thank you. Roger Cardenas and then Tariq Mahmoud. Uh, Roger Cardenas with Bay Camp. I would like to uh, publicly... Um, thank the director of the commission for their help. Uh, BACAP compliant with the workman's comp. She's been very helpful. Uh, the, the, right now we, at BACAP we have two individuals who are single shift in the vehicle and they're claiming that they do not have to buy workman's comp. That is not the position of the company. We, they either have to comply or they have to leave the company. Uh, there is one point of information that I want to bring to the Commission, and that is that there is no insurance company regarding workman's comp that covers medallion holders 
in the country. So the state fund doesn't cover medallion holders. When you apply in the application with the state, they ask you for your social security number, the medallion holder, and they exclude you from coverage. So there is no insurance company is going to cover the medallion holder, regardless of what decision is made, wherever the decision is made. It's not going to be covered. That is the policy of all the insurance companies, including the state fund. Thank you. Thank you. Tariq Mahmoud and then Shelley Perry. Good evening, Commissioners. About the gas, we talked much earlier, three months ago, told everybody, please, we need increase in the gas. We are spending $30 extra every day, every shift, actually. Looking at 30 days, if some driver works, he's spending $900 out of his pocket. If he's working five shifts a day a week, he's spending $600 a month from his pocket. Why we have to wait for the controller report? Why we cannot rush it? Why somebody else's vocation, somebody else's other things are important? Whereas millions and millions of dollars of the drivers are thrown in trash every day, and they don't have less money for their family, for their food, for their children, for their school fees. Somebody might have a high school children. Somebody might have a college children. They don't have money that much. We are in dire trouble. And the gas is 4 50 60 now. In two months, it's going to be $6, because the gas we are collecting now is the one which was sold $100 barrel internationally. The one which is coming down will be $140 sold in the last two weeks. So 40% more increase is coming afterward, which will be here in the next two months. Why don't we cancel everything and take care of the driver's gas increase? They are in severe pain. Nobody has noticed. They are hardly taking any reasonable money home. Nobody has noticed. You are going through the procedures and for other issues. Other problem, the core problem is my stomach food, my child's stomach food. I don't have that extra money already to pay for their education, for their any other expense, and then you take $30 out of that and do nothing for me. What are you doing with the drivers? Thank you. Thank you. Shelley Perry and then Mark Ruberg. Um, thank you for hearing me. Um, my name is Dr. Shelley Perry. I work in the Presidio. Um, I'm committed to the use of public transportation, but I believe that reliance on Muni at times must be supplemented by riding in a taxi. However, I've had significant difficulty getting taxis for myself and for my patients in the Presidio. Um, while I can walk out um, to the marina or um, take a bus, my patients are disabled and cannot, so it's dangerous for them. Excuses that have been given have been it's shift changes, and I wonder if the shift changes can't be more distributed so that there's an abundance of taxis during peak times, and also that the cab drivers don't know the Presidio. I wonder if you can just tell them about where it is or something. Um, and, uh, and also that um, when people call a taxi, is there something that can be done to guarantee that a taxi will come if you guarantee that you'll wait for them? Because my patients can't take the bus. I've taken them myself on the bus to the Embarcadero station. I'm just wondering if there's something that can be done. Who should I submit these problems to? If you have a letter, I'll, I'll take it and I'll make sure. We have a, a group, actually a charter reform working group, that is meeting on these very proposals that you've mentioned, such as a, a, some type of a fee ranging, a low fee that would be added to the dispatch 
so that when you call, you would be guaranteed that that vehicle would come for you. As far as driver education, that's an ongoing issue, and we do have the classes. And then as far as peak time proposals, we're also looking at some of those in this group. But if you have a letter, I'll take it, and I'll make sure it gets distributed to the committee members in that committee. Thank you. Thank you very much. Mark Gruberg and then Naeem Malik. Mark Gruberg, I'd just say I wish the commission had more time and more focus on some of these service issues rather than our internal industry battles. Nonetheless, I'm going to talk about one of those right now. The yellow shift prepayment is one of the most serious issues that has come into our industry over the 25 years that I have been there. It reared its head last year and died away. Yellow has come back to it again this year. And I hope this commission does not treat this issue with complacency. I hear that it might be on the next agenda, but maybe not until August. What's that date, August 12th? Is that three days before this is going into effect? And isn't Yellow pressuring their drivers right at this very moment to be making these prepayments? Isn't this a serious issue that this commission needs to take up, or are you going to bury your heads in the sand on it until it's too late? This not only is we're talking about $30 a day out of drivers' pockets, which is additional gas costs, which we hope will be remedied soon. We're talking about $2,000 a month that drivers are going to have to pay in advance, and those first payments are being made right now. This needs to be addressed. It's not only the money out of the driver's pocket. This is a bald-faced attempt on Yellow Cab's part to get out from under workers' compensation and unemployment and any other labor protection and benefit that might apply to the drivers. It's as simple as that. Please do something. Thank you. Naeem Malik and then Bashir Rahimi. Good evening, Commissioners. My name is Naeem Malik, a cab driver for 19 1⁄2 years in San Francisco. I'm going to talk about it in general today, not particularly about me. We refuse to take unfair, abusive, and disrespectful behavior from the taxi cab management. When I say we, we the cab driver. It is said we don't have unity among drivers. That's the reason why the cab company management and others are getting away with this. I appeal to all drivers for unity so we can speak in one strong voice. Fellow drivers, if you want to bring a change, wake up, stand up, speak up, and fight for your rights. If you don't, no one will for you. No one will for you. Commissioners, again, I'm asking you to ask the Board of Supervisors to roll back the $5 gate fee increase on all cabs and decrease $5 more and bring down the gate fee cap to $86.50 instead of $96.50, not on the temporary basis, but on the permanent basis. In my opinion, even $86.50 is a very high gate fee. Commissioners, since we are 
paying a very high gate fee. As you know, the gas prices keep going up and it seems like it's not going to stop soon. If the cab company does the following in a timely fashion, which are do the tune-up, clean the fuel injector, change the air filter, and keep the tire air pressure at all times as recommended by the manufacturer of the car, then they will increase the gas consumption definitely. But unfortunately, they don't want to do it because it costs money. Right now, we are getting 7 to 14 miles a gallon, depending on the car. So driver, thank you. driver should... Oh, okay, thank you. Thank you. Saeed Bashir Rahimi and then Bud Hazelcorn. Good evening, Commissioners. My name is Bashir Rahimi. Commissioners, there is one problem I have that I don't know. The state of California said when you are a medallion owners or a part of the business, we're not allowed to give you any coverage on the workman comp. When a person is like uh, owned the medallion or the person is bought a car and his name is under the vehicle names and he cannot be covered under workman comps, such as me and my driver, we are all part of this. We are not covered by workman comps. Commissioners, you guys make enforcements to be by workman comp. Workman comp is only the people as gas and gates. How we resolve this problem, commissioners? That's number one. And number two, thank you very much for Sergeant Simpsons. I mean, Sergeant Ronald, I'm sorry. He did really good progress. It's a lot of changes happen. We do appreciate it for his hard workings. And uh, the third thing is, I'm right now confused what I should do with this money to I misspend them in the end if something happens I did not get no coverage. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bud Hazelcorn and then Peter Von Wiegand, even though I have calendar item 10 on that. I'd like to speak on two issues. Uh, number one, uh, with regard to uh, um, Sergeant Reynolds' report, uh, I too want to applaud uh, him. Uh, he is uh, one of the very few people that you can count on uh, that when you call him with an issue or a problem, he's actually uh, has the uh, intention and ability to do something about it. And uh, he has been extremely effective uh, with, uh, our, with regard to our complaints. He showed up at our limousine meeting, as did uh, um, uh, um, Executive Director Thigpen and uh, Commissioner Breslin. We were very happy to see Commissioner Breslin there, and we were looking for you to show up. But unfortunately, I guess it was a taxi issue. So I uh, wanted to also mention that uh, the Vitali Hotel, as a direct result of uh, our um, efforts at UTW and, at, uh, um, and from uh, Sergeant Reynolds, uh, has now uh, changed its policy with regard to limousines, and they are now pushing, you know, they are now have a, uh, a taxi zone in front and a very limited uh, um, limousine uh, um, operation. I want to speak also about Yellow Cab. Yellow Cab controls a full third of all taxi medallions and is probably the most ruthless of all cab employees. In the words of a former board member, Yellow Management are stingy, selfish, and tightwads. If we figure this year's gates uh, hikes, you know, uh, to be worth about $25 million, that plus the new medallions, Yellow's share alone would be $8 million and change. Not satisfied with that, Yellow is now scheming to grab thousands of dollars at once from each of its 2,000-some-odd drivers, many of whom cannot even pay the rent. 
It's not only vicious, it directly contravenes the Tracy ruling against security deposits, which this is, in fact. Maybe they can get Gerardo Sandoval to sponsor a new measure to override that ruling. Thank you. Peter Von Wigandt and Jim Gillespie. By the way, have you paid? Sorry. Have you prepaid? Peter Von Wigandt, next speaker. What's that? Sir, your time is up. Peter Von Wigandt is the next speaker. That's an interesting question. I'd like to hear the answer to that. I want to talk about the prepay. I was told by one of the management people that this is being forced upon Yellow Cab by the state of California. And if it is, then why is Yellow Cab being singled out to make this payment? Or is it like the other people are saying, it's an attempt to get money from the drivers? Now, the thing that I'm concerned about is that a lot of the drivers can't pay this up front. I can't pay it by cash. I have to use a credit card or some damn thing like that. I'm not sure. But anyway, the thing that I want to know is that if they're going to take this money from us, where is it going to be held? If this is legal and it goes through and all the other companies have to do this, I'm not saying yay or nay on either one, but are they going to put this in an account and put it in an account where they make money on it, in an interest-bearing account? These are the questions I want to know about, and whether it's legal or not, if anybody's going to do anything about it. That's what I want to know. The other point I have is about the 311. I talked to Jordana this morning because I got a phone call about 10 o'clock this morning about an incident that happened with me and another driver back in December. And he asked me all of the information about this stuff, and I couldn't remember it. And so he told me to talk to Jordana about this. This was a complaint about somebody trying to run me off the road or something like that. But it took until today to get this to the right people. Thank you. Can you respond to that in some way? Jim Gillespie will be the last speaker under public comment. Commissioners, I was going to mention on two. I'll mention and comment on three things now. First, regarding A cards and how the companies are tracking them, and there was a concern about, well, if they're long-term leases, you can't monitor that. I know at Yellow Cab, I'm sure Luxor can do the same thing because we're computerized. We have for every driver, whether he's a gas and gate driver or a long-term lease or driving a color scheme, they're in our computer, and we have the last A card, you know, if it's an 08 that we've seen. And what we did and what we do every year in January, we take out, like for January of 09, we'll take out the 08. And as we see an A card and a guy produces it and shows it, we add 09 into the computer. After January 31st, we go through and everybody that hasn't shown us their current year A card, we block on the computer. And we can block, you know, long-term lease drivers so they can't log on, so they can't do it, they can't come in and do credit card, couldn't do anything unless they come in and show their A card. And so I think we control that fine. Quick comment on limos. My wife and I went to an activity at Bimbo's here about a week ago, and 
I called the yellow cab as I left, and before the yellow cab got there, a limo pulled up and said, hey, where are you going? And I kind of looked at him, and I think he looked at me and recognized me. Most of these guys are cab drivers or former cab drivers. And I said, well, I'm not going anywhere. And I said, and if you sit there, I said, I'm probably just going to call the taxi detail. And he said, hey, I don't want any problems. And, hey, you have a nice night now. And he sped off. And, you know, so my suggestion is I think Sergeant Reynolds is doing a great job. It would be nice if the rest of the department through the different districts were educated enough and were willing to also keep their eye out there because I think the biggest problem Sergeant Reynolds is going to have is being, you know, just a handful of people trying to enforce a citywide problem. And lastly, regarding the prepayment penalties at Yellow Cab, I think I heard about 90 percent misinformation comments. I wish each individual would contact me and be glad to share information on what is happening at Yellow Cab. Thank you. Thank you. And if we have a – when we have a hearing, we'll invite all the companies to be part of that, including Yellow Cab and the state if necessary. Is there anyone else? Okay. That public comment is closed. So we go back to the staff report now. Yeah. And public comment on the staff report. Is there any other commissioner comments on the staff report? I just have two for our executive director. One through the chair, and maybe I should be asking the chair of the group, if we could have on the staff report or someone else report on different charter reform group status, kind of a status report. It was very interesting to hear what our executive director told one of the public speakers, you know, about what's going on there at the charter group. And I was hoping to maybe get a progress report there. And then the other thing is on the staff report about the fuel surcharge as an alternative of a dollar per passenger charge for each trip. I am in favor of a surcharge, not a flag drop, not a meter increase. But I don't think the right vehicle is per passenger, so I just wanted to keep that out there, too. Anyone else would like to comment on the staff report? I just want to reiterate what Commissioner Slaughter said about the seriousness of meter tampering and how I can say after being on this nine years that we've had very few cases of that, I think a handful in the years that I've been here. But I think that there's, like, very few things that are more serious than that. And so I just want to reiterate what he said about that and that being a priority and a very serious offense. And if it's traced to the permit holder, then it's certainly grounds for ratification, in my opinion, and that should proceed forthwith. We have a lot of investigations that I have personally performed, that my staff has performed. We've made a list of priorities in the office, but this is number one. This is number one on our list now. This is very serious. Okay, thank you. Okay, I'm going to take public comment on the staff report for one minute. Just please just come up. And, again, this is on the staff report or anything in the written staff report. Good evening again, Commissioners, Madam Director. I just wanted to comment on the workers' compensation. The workers' comp, anybody who's on gate and gas, even if you collect a check, say my cab is 713 and I give it to Yellow Cab to run for me, and if I'm driving 713, then I'm covered on workers' comp. The diet holders are covered under certain circumstances. And when it comes to long-term leases and things like this, someone there 
unless all the people driving that vehicle are on the long-term lease, then there is workers' comp required. Thank you. Next speaker, please just line up and come right up. I want to congratulate Jordana on her selection as executive director and also congratulate the commission for doing this. A few years back, Kelly Castagnaro was kept as acting executive director all the way until she finally went and took another job because she was being underpaid and not being given the salary that associates with the job classification and the work she's doing. And Jordana is doing the work, so you did the right thing. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Is there anyone after Barry that would like to speak on this? Good evening again. I would like to say that it was a great suggestion by staff to hold a training class for the next 200 people on the list. I think it's a great idea to educate people. Regarding the fuel surcharge again, you know, every small business has raised their rates. I went to a dry cleaners. They raised their rates. All right? The taqueria raised their rates. The restaurants are raising their rates. Why can't you let taxi drivers raise their rates? You're the laughing stock of the business world by not letting drivers raise their rates because their costs have gone up. Regarding, I'm a little concerned. I want to first say Sergeant Reynolds is fantastic. The best person in this room right now to me is Sergeant Reynolds because he cares, and he shows it in his voice, and he shows it in his concern. He shouldn't be wasting his time dealing with ACARS. I think you need to deal with this issue and tell every company that anyone who drives for them doesn't have an ACARS, they will be fined, or the medallion holder who signs the third-party leases ought to have their medallion suspended or given to someone else immediately. It's dangerous. We don't know who's driving these vehicles. Thank you. Next speaker. Yes. Paul Gillespie, our revered driver representative, the one-minute man. You know, you've been on this staff report for 40 minutes, and we get one minute, okay? Standards training for drivers who've been driving for a long time and getting a medallion now. Why? They've been driving for a long-ass time. Excuse my language, but, you know, they're qualified drivers. Excuse me. Maybe you don't get them good to begin with, and the weeding process, it takes so long. You don't have any announcements about the July 15th Charter Reform Group. I don't have a location on that. You have a time. I don't see a place. But special events, limos, what's up with that? You know, I could go on and on, but, you know, there's really no time. Pathetic, I can say, honestly, this commission is. I do commend Officer Reynolds, though. Thank you. Next speaker. Mr. Gillespie, commissioners, I think what was brought on tonight about the economic plight of drivers is not fully understood by this commission. I'm not saying the commissioners per se. You may have other jobs. I know you, Mr. Gillespie, you drive. But the plight of drivers right now that do not own a medallion is dear. You keep adding cabs to the system. You keep raising the fees. Gas costs keep going up. Tighter and tighter requirements for drivers while their income plummets. You don't have to look at or read the Wall Street Journal to know what's going on in the economy. You just have to talk to a taxi driver. His income is probably down 50% in the summer. This is unheard of. And you sit here with the minuet of your dialogue and talk about everything that doesn't concern his income. 
when his income pertains to the services he provides in his city and has been going straight down to hell, to be blunt. Thank you. Thank you. Next. Good evening again, Commissioners. Don't put your head in your hands. <laughs> I'm talking to you, Mr. Gillespie. Anyway, as far as I'm concerned, I just want to reiterate the fact that Sergeant Reynolds is the best thing that's happened. He's told you exactly what happened. We drivers know this, and I hope to God he's going to be part of the municipal, whatever it is, that's taking over from this commission. If he's not part of it, we're finished. It's finished. But we need people to inform you, drivers to inform you, not not people off the street, not, not people who sit on this commission. They know nothing about it. Nothing. We are the ones that know. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening, Commissioner. My name is Bashir Rahimi. Commissioners, bless uh, me, I mean, we're all humans. We all make a mistake. There is nothing like perfect, like, you know, once a person makes a mistake and you go immediately suspend them as medallion, that person have to feed his family and his kids or his himself by a mistake or a person make a mistake we don't want to punish all the community you know we have to realize some be some kind of fine or something or you know economies right now hurting it's nothing is perfect uh, Mr. Gillespie thank you very much thank you anyone else on the staff report good evening Commissioner First of all, congratulations and good luck to Jordana. She is out of political asylum, and she got a now confirmation. I request her whenever we bring an investigation, as you take it against a simple medallion honor or simple person, same way take it against the people who do have some political clout. Do not be scared from anybody, no matter what. And add up all the clauses and charges what you add for one person to against that people who do have some political drama to play here. Secondly, about that affiliate of 9045, there are a lot of affiliates, not the yellow long term, but like a person just get the car affiliated with the company, and then he find his own driver and he give him on a long term, plus he drive his own shift. And if anything is done, that doesn't mean the company is doing it. We are not protecting a company. Such medallion may be revoked, it's okay, but these people should not do it. Sunshine Task Force, uh, people should not blame on each other, uh, otherwise Thank they will have situations. Thank you. Uh, good. It <coughs> Let's okay. uh, good evening, Commissioner Snaim Malik. First of all, I'd like to welcome uh, the Commissioner sitting on my left and to my right and welcome back uh, Madam Executive Director keep up the good work and con congratulations and, and uh, personally I would like to thank you the Sergeant Randall too he's doing a wonderful job and Mr. President on the public comment if you please give three minutes people take the time off from their work and come here wanted to bring up a lot of issues if you please give three minutes for uh, that item I really appreciate that in two minutes, you can do uh, much. Uh, I have 21 seconds. I want to take advantage of that. I would like to thank you, all of you. You're, you're all doing a wonderful job, but you're not here the other side of the story yet. So please give more opportunity to drivers and hear them 
and then decide. And uh, that goes to uh, Mr. Mayor also. He wants to hear the other side of the story too. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Public comment is closed on this item. Uh, next item. Next item is the 2006 Proposition K audit. And I've asked uh, Investigator Scott Leon to come and present on the outcome of his work on the audit. Um, just by way of an introduction, um, I have received several phone calls about um, from individuals who appear on this list uh, somewhere on it. And uh, just want to state that this list was developed uh, prior to my um, taking, taking, uh, you know, taking over the, the department. Uh, additionally, um, they were a random selection, as Scott will go over. And um, additionally, in the future, any managers that were included, they will be, every manager that's claimed as a manager is going to be audited separately um, every year. And we've already discussed that. That was discussed in February of this year. So any manager that appears here um, will be appearing separately on a separate audit worksheet in, in the future. So, Scott? Uh, good evening, Commissioners. Director Thickpan and members of the public. Um, my name is Scott Leon and I'm the investigator for the Tax Commission. Um, I'm here to provide the results of the 2006 uh, Prop K audit that I've conducted along with uh, Commission staff. Um, as you can see right off the bat, uh, this is not a comprehensive list for all the Prop K permit holders. Um, I'd just like to clarify that um, for all the lists that we have here, um, some were targeted for, uh, for individuals who previously uh, failed their prop. Uh, their, uh, their Prop K uh, driving requirements and their waybill formats and prior violations. And sons were just uh, randomly targeted. So they weren't specifically, uh, 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 we were pinpointing anybody in general. So, uh, so for all intents and purposes of this audit, uh, the only reason why it's not a comprehensive list is because of the uh, ADA lawsuit. And we were trying to be very careful of uh, not to go ahead and uh, uh, pursued all the medallion holders who were on ADA. So that's the reason why it was more, uh, more comprehensive and more targeted. So I also like to point out that although this list is somewhat partial as compared to the prior um, audit, um, some may be questioning why uh, there are other medallion holders who did fail in the past and they are not part of this audit. I just want to clarify that we do uh, suspect that there are a lot of um, violators who did fail and however the, the ones that that did fail, okay, uh, further investigations are being conducted. And for the ones that, um, that needs, uh, uh, that have prior admonitions, you know, we are looking into further uh, uh, in their way bills. Okay, so I will now go over to the figures. Uh, on this list, okay, um, I have uh, two, out of 278 Prop K permit holders uh, in, uh, in the audit for 2006, I have 60% uh, passed and 30% uh, failed their driving requirement as defined by um, NPC section 1081F. And out of the total, I have 56% passed and 34% failed their uh, waybill format as required by NPC section 1138. Uh, in addition, out of the current 181 ADA applicants uh, we have on our current files in our system, we do have an additional, uh, another 21 medallion holders that were, uh, have confirmed ADA status. Furthermore, um, from this audit, we have 76 medallion holders who failed their Prop K audits in 2005, and of these, 50% failed again in 2006 as well. Again, from this audit, about 38% were issued formal admonishments, and about 11% were cited with uh, you know, administrative fines. 
Uh, and about 27% were considered egregious violators, according to our records, with prior violations, and about 4% are still under extreme further investigation for potentially submitting fraudulent waybills. So overall, um, with this audit, some of the most uh, common problems of this audit uh, include some of the following. Again, I've noted there that these medallion holders who continue to violate Prop K every year uh, for not submitting the waybills uh, is still an ongoing problem. And uh, a lot of them still fail uh, to provide any type of proof that they've driven whatsoever. And again, uh, there's also a large percentage of waybills, errors under MPC 1138, which consists of a lot of missing information, such as um, not uh, document documenting their starting and ending mileage and uh, their meter units, which is kind of becomes kind of somewhat problematic. And again, uh, many permit holders uh, fail to add the total hours worked making our jobs as the auditor impossible and as a result it requires additional staff okay, for us, you know, for our time to complete this audit. And again, there's also a large portion of waybills that were reviewed were known to be questionable and fraudulent as well. So those needing further investigation will be brought up forward for administrative complaints and future disciplinary actions. And lastly, okay, um, as for the figures for 2006, uh, the companies with the most Prop K failures okay, that I have in my records were Luxor, Yellow, and followed by Royal Taxi. That's all I have. Director Thigpen, do you have anything to add to this? Or? Um, no, just regarding the ADA lawsuit, I actually forgot to mention this earlier in my staff report. Um, the commission uh, so far, um, there's still room for an appeal, but um, so far the federal court has affirmed the commission's ADA policy. Um, so I uh, just wanted to note that for the record. But when this audit was being uh, performed and conducted, um, you know, the ADA lawsuit was pending. So anybody that uh, had put in an application or had confirmed status, we did not audit those individuals. So. Are you saying that there's been a decision on that lawsuit? There has been a decision, yes. It was sent, um, it was sent to you all today. And I, I forgot to mention it to you guys earlier, my staff report, I apologize for that. We will be noticing all of the medallion holders, Prop K medallion holders, separately. But, yeah, it okay, was. This is a major, this is a summary major. judgment granted in favor of the city and county. Yeah. Community by by uh, Judge White. Yeah. Um, they can still appeal, but we'll see what happens. They can still appeal. And we, you know, we're going to send a letter out noticing everyone. Um, it doesn't impact this audit or the results um, of this audit. Um, but again, that's why we did that. And then, uh, you know, we may have an agenda item on it or we may not, but in any event, we will, I will notice you, I will supply you with all the official correspondence that we serve medallion holders with, so. Okay, yeah, I'm, yeah. this is, I mean, that's stunning. I, I've been involved in this, okay. <clears throat> yeah, so that's. I lost my train of thought here for a second. Okay, are there uh, any questions for Scott on this prop count? And I have a few. Um, the egregious violators, you know, from day one that I've been on this commission, I have been pleading with our office and our staff to bring me cases of Prop K permit holders who are not disabled and who are not driving. So I'm seeing that there are 76 of these people who were classifying as egregious violators. That is correct. Um, I go on record today that I, in, I expect, fully expect some action to be taken on these. So. Um, we have very clear guidelines as to people who don't drive, as to whether there's a strong presumption for revocation. Those guidelines have been put together over the years, and you know, I just this has gone on too long, where people have 
held prop K medallions and are not driving and not even bothering to fill out waybills. So I guess I'm not also clear as to why it's not the commission's policy to audit every single prop K permit holder. I know that I've, you know, we have done that in other years, and I'm, you touched on that, but maybe if either one of you would like to sort of follow up on that, because I, I believe that it's the job of this commission to audit each and every Prop K permit holder every year as to their compliance with the driving requirement. So I'll just make that point. Um, would you like us to address that issue? Yeah, yeah. I, I, at this point, maybe that's... So uh, my predecessor left in March, and um, that's one professional less in the office. Originally, uh, the commission hadn't wanted to approve the second investigator. However, the Board of Supervisors did grant that permission, um, as well as actually a third. So it's anticipated that next year we can audit every single Prop K medallion holder. However, as Scott has pointed out in his memorandum, our job is often made difficult. I perform the audits. I don't do them anymore because I have my hands full of Board of Appeals briefs, Commission briefs, Cleaner Taxi Program, the ongoing commission, and all of my work involving um, the criminal investigations, which Sergeant Reynolds pointed out, which I assist in and am in, intimately involved with on a daily basis. We do not have the resource at this time and didn't for the 2006 audit to conduct an audit of every single permit holder. However, as I stated, for 2007 and hopefully for 2008, once it's merged with MTA, there will be staff resources to do that. We just didn't have it this year. Is it the case, and again, I'm not blaming our staff because I know you guys work hard, but in the early days, these audits were conducted by the police department staff and the taxi detail staff. Is it the case that we're no longer getting cooperation, or let's put it this way, help on the audits from the, from the taxi detail, and it's up to us now? Well, they didn't audit all of them either. When they did it, they didn't audit every single permit holder. Actually, there were a couple years, couple years where, we, yeah. where we were real thorough, and, and each and every permit holder was, and it's been too hit or miss, and I think that's the point I'm trying to make here. And, and I know that our staff and funding and all this stuff, people dedicated to this task, has been hit or miss, and it's been inadequate over the years. So I'm not necessarily saying that what we did here was wrong, but I, and I'm happy to hear the commitment, and I know that we do have pending more investigators, so, you know, and I think the way that we approach this by sort of, you know, taking people who had previously been admonished, that's, that's the proper way to go, because those are the people who have, in the prior years, have demonstrated a need to be watched, so to speak. And We've tried to implement, at least I've tried to implement, a system of progressive discipline so that people are on notice of, of what the penalties can be and of what's coming down um, rather than just assessing fines, assessing revocation complaints at the drop of a hat because that's been a complaint that's of something that's happened in the past. And I've tried to address that to restore some trust between my office and, mm -hmm. um, you know, and the industry um, so that people are on notice of the penalties. So we, we just didn't do all of them this year. We, we kind of determined in the office that we would do a full audit um, every so often, right? So we would do randoms, and then we would do a comprehensive every so often. Mm -hmm. But again, that's going to be staff resources permitting. As to whether Taxi Detail is doing that, we we felt, and my, it was actually my predecessor that implemented this policy, felt that the, the Taxi Detail, the sworn officer's time, was better spent on criminal investigations and issues going on in the industry that impacted public safety rather than auditing waybills. So that's why we're hiring these investigators to perform that task. We're civilianizing that work. So it's a better allocation of the funds that this industry pays into the department's budget. 
But again, this year we didn't have the money. Okay, are there any other commissioner comments or questions? Well, actually, not to be contrary, but I really wouldn't put or point staff resources to this particular issue until we centralize the way bills, which is something that I've been pushing for and to get the technology there. So it's too time-consuming to do this manually, and once it can be done electronically, it will be much more feasible. Anyone else? Any other commissioners have any questions? Scott, is there anything you want to add? I just want to clarify. In addition to because we completed the 2005 way bills, a lot of the admonishment were kind of sent out kind of late. So in a sense that when we did the 2006, we were actually repeating ourselves. A lot of the violators already were receiving notice way late in the game. So if you were to audit them again, it's kind of like repeating itself because they received prior admonishment way late in the game, if you can understand what I'm trying to say. And that's the reason why we only focus on the drivers that didn't drive. Those are the egregious ones, which they are on the list, on the target list, which is part of this audit. So we're now in July of 2008. Yes. When is the audit for 2007 scheduled? Could we, like, take these 76 egregious violators and pull their 2007 files and, you know, get at least another year of information on these people that we really need to start moving on? We need to start getting these permits into the hands of working cab drivers. I just, you know, say this over and over again. The 2007 audit, I've given the staff, because this is a task that involves a lot of staff involved in it, I'm giving them a break for the month of August, and then the 2007 audit will start in September. We'll have a short timeline on that to get that finished. Everyone in the office will participate in auditing these waivers to get it completed for the Proposition K driver requirement, since it is the law and has been upheld by now by, at least with regards to ADA policy and also by the voters repeatedly. So it is the law that we are required to uphold. As to the issue, just one more issue about why, about the audits at Taxi Detail. In fact, no audits that we can tell comprehensive were performed for 2004 or 2003. There were a dramatic amount of them performed in 2001 and 1999 and 1998, but all those years in between. So if we're going to lay down a system of progressive discipline, we have to do our part to show, to demonstrate a couple of years of admonishments. That's giving someone fair notice and giving an opportunity to correct behavior. And many of the people we've admonished have corrected the behavior, but others are willfully defiant. Mr. Benjamin? Well, I agree with you, Paul. I think that these 76 violators, if they're going to continue in that same path in 2007, if it can start off with them and then immediately, if it shows that same pattern and if it's been going on for three years, then they should come right away and let's get rid of them. Yeah. Okay. Any other commissioners before we go to public comment? Okay. We'll go for public comment on this for one minute. Good evening, commissioners. Charles Rath from Luxor Cab. Our medallion holders look kind of bad in this audit, and there's certainly no doubt that there is some problem of noncompliance, but it may not be quite as bad as it looks. 
I was surprised, for instance, to see that Richard Quigley failed the driving requirement. Despite being 81 years old, Richard drives five days a week during his shifts. He stops by the office often to use the bathroom and stops to schmooze with the office staff for a few minutes before going back out to work. We turned in 230 waybills for Mr. Quigley for the 06 audit, and he is listed as failing the audit. I suspect that his waybills have a defect, probably not totaling the hours, and that not all of the 230 waybills were counted. In a sense, he's being double-charged for the waybill violation. I'm running out of time, but it's a similar situation with at least eight of our other medallion holders who returned in anywhere from 80 to 116 waybills for him. Thank you. Next speaker on this. Good evening, Commissioner. People need to go back and look at working spreadsheets. First, I want to say something positive about President Gillespie. You asked some very good questions, and I think you need to audit all of the post-K medallions. You've got to come up with a better system. If you're going to do hours, then you should have a listing of advance. Calculate by hours or calculate by shifts. You've got to streamline the process because you can't pick on a few of them. I think you need to re-look at the spreadsheets and how you do them. I'm sure Scott Leon is a nice guy, but he needs to go back and check his facts. Mary McGuire is a fantastic driver. She does every shift, and she's perfect with her customers. To target her on this, in fact, she's not even on this. The person who says owns her medallion or is named on the medallion holder is not her. So I'm a little questionable about how accurate this is. They need to re-look and check every fact and come back with a proper copy. Peter Kleinman is not listed in medallion 921. Another example. This is all wrong. Thank you. Next speaker. I'm Mary McGuire, but I guess according to this list, my name is Patricia Volgaris. I have no idea who she is. She's not a cab driver, but she's on this list being audited. My medallion, Patricia Volgaris, 474 Metro, pass, pass. Well, at least she got a clean pass. I should have gotten a clean pass because my way bills are fantastic, and I'm a full-time driver, and I pass every audit. So I don't know why I'm on this list, and I'm really offended because this list does say that these people were chosen or randomly pre-selected due to past violations for failing their full-time driving requirement. I have gotten a pass every year. I got a letter from Jack Broadnax last time. At Metro Cab, this is just because I know these people. There may be other mistakes, but they've made a mistake on every single medallion holder. Peter Kleinman is 1107. That's Robin Bullard's medallion. Chad Rokich is listed as having two medallions. One is 875, I believe. That's Francis Wilson. And then Peters is 921, and he's listed as Patrick Shannon. These are pre-Ks. These people don't even drive. So how did you even get these names? I think it needs to really need to look at that, and I would like a letter saying that I passed. Mary McGuire passed this audit. Thank you. Scott, just inform me, he actually, I don't know what he did, but he made a mistake. Happens. So Mary McGuire was not pre-selected randomly at all. She passed many years. She's driving. So we're just all on the same page on that. I'd like to speak on the pre-K medallion holders. It would be nice if this commission would look into the pre-K medallion holder agreements made by the previous city attorney, Louis Rennie, in 1999 to 2001, 
where according to various newspapers in the city, she cut a back office deal to protect up to 440 medallions that should have been turned back over to the city and put back on the list. For noncompliance and various issues, a 10% changes in stock and various other issues. It was never clear because a lot of this was done under the table in the back room, but it wasn't done with any transparency whatsoever. And there's approximately, according to the San Francisco Weekly and some of their archives, that these medallions were approximately 400 to 450 in number that the city let the medallion holders keep, even though they may have violated the law for 25 years. Thank you. Next speaker. I think I know how I can save a lot of money on audits, and that's follow what Prop K really says. Prop K is a device for deregulation. It says anybody who presents a clear case for public inconvenience and necessity should get a permit. No waiting list. The public uh, should have access to these permits. And if you followed Prop K, uh, you would saturate the streets with, with cars. You would take down the value of permits, and that's really what this is all about. That's why people on the waiting list are so eager to get permits, uh, because we do control the numbers. They, we do create value, and then we do create this problem. Now, if we don't like that kind of a deregulated system, let's change Prop K. But for God's sakes, let's stop these ridiculous, expensive surveys. Thank you. Next speaker. Good evening, Commissioners. My name is Bashir Rahimi. Commissioners, right now it's too early about the summary judgments. Mr. Ali Myers is a good attorney. He will be appealed. He will go in the Court of Appeal. Right now there's nothing going on. This, is, this is not anywhere near the agenda item. If you want to talk about it the is agenda, the agenda item because the agenda you're item jumping with audit. all those people against us yes. did not drive and revoke in this medallion, sir. The ADA was excluded from this, from this audit, so it has nothing to do with the agenda. If you want to talk about the agenda item, you can. Okay. Yes. If that's the way your rule is, thank you very much. Thank you. Next speaker. Uh, Mark Ruberg, and I, I recommend the opinion in the ADA lawsuit to those commissioners who think there is no driving requirement in Proposition K. It's uh, very clearly stated that there is and that it is an essential eligibility requirement for holding a medallion. Um, I, uh, I, I'm perplexed. Uh, these audits have been going on since uh, 1998, as I recall. And... Um, it, the, the, it, it simply hasn't happened. And uh, I understand that there are staffing problems at, at the commission, and, uh, which precludes going after 76 people or, or, or you know, maybe even 20 people. But certainly um, among those egregious, supposed egregious violators, if indeed they are, there have to be a few that where, where the case is clear-cut and, and it wouldn't take that much work. And uh, Excuse me, time out, Mark. Just I, I, I'll just conclude by, by saying that uh, I, I, you know, at, at least bring a couple of cases forward so that people understand that this is a serious requirement. Otherwise, it's like, you know, granting a license to cheat. Thank you. Tomorrow, do we need to take a break here for...
Okay, I'm going to take... I use my phone for um, timer. It's one minute, right? Okay. Yeah. One minute, man. What's up? It's <laughs> ridiculous. Um, anyway, uh, streamlining the way... Uh, stream lining the way bill wouldn't be too hard a process considering we, we have a lot of that stuff on the way bill that's not necessary. Uh, it's archaic and referring to old days when you had the flag meter and a percentage cut for the companies. Um, so you can streamline the process. Um, and by the way, um, Yellow and Luxor, the most egregious violators as a, as a company, uh, don't they have like a computer system, GPS? Isn't that what uh, we're waiting for so we can do this properly and it will be easier and everybody will be following the regulations properly? Well, they, they are the biggest violators. I don't understand it. That doesn't make sense to me. Uh, and take a nine, uh, how much time do I have? 11.55, I understand, is a uh, police chief's wife's medallion from what I understand. So uh, can we get an audit on 11.55? Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. 1259. Good evening, commissioners again. I am uh, one person who'd like to thank Scott for doing the work he did. As far as I'm concerned, he opened up a, a can of worms that need to be looked at. These people have been getting away with this for too long, and nobody has said anything about it. So the more it happens, the more people start doing it. And that's, if you look at the numbers, that's a huge percentage of, uh, of, of um, uh, medallion holders who are getting away with this. And there's surely a lot more than those. So what happens for a few, they tell each other and they start doing it all over again. So what he's done is opened up this box to look at, and now they probably won't do it as much. Thank you. Thank you. Is anyone else? Good evening, Commissioners. Tarek Mahmoud. When this survey was done, was it done under Judana or was it done under Heidi? Why Scott Leon made so many mistakes, as Mary McGuire Commissioner X mentioned about it? Why she is targeted in this one when she didn't do anything wrong? She mentioned three, four other names, why they are into it when they haven't done anything wrong. How we can believe that this survey is done correctly? So is it all bogus? Is it all putting one line into another line and messing up everybody's numbers? What far is this Scott Leon job and what far is this office? What you presented here to the public, to the commission, each and every word, to the comma, to the full stop, need to be perfect. There's no space in this kind of situation even for one single small error. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening, Commissioners. Naim Malik again. Uh, driving requirement should be five days a week, not 800 hours or four hours shift for 146 shift. That piece of cake. To collect 1800 to $3,000 a month and just drive 800 hours? <laughs> I can't believe it. My DC minute is still. Thank you. Anyone else? 
Yes, just quickly. I didn't want to blab. Everyone's covering everything. But, yes, Norma Gear Yellow Cab Medallion, 485. I think I've had my medallion five years and ramp prior to that, three and a half. It's not a piece of cake. And also we're taxed on that money. Yellow had to pay out of shareholder. We had to pay, I think it was $250. And also we pay taxes of, I think my tax preparer said it's about $220 a month out of that check. And as you get older, I'm well over 60 these days, it's not that easy to drive. It's tiresome. A lot of us have little disabilities. You know, it's just tiresome. It's not a piece of cake. I do my job, but I just resent all this piece of cake. The younger drivers can work six days. I used to work 11. I think my record was 11 in a day, you know, 11 days in a row. I can't do that anymore. It's extremely wearing to drive 10 hours or 11 in traffic. Let's see some of you try it, see how you do in trying to make money. As for the gas and gates. Thank you. Oh, well, that's it. Anyone else? This public comment is closed. Any other commissioner or Jordana? Yeah, so I accept responsibility for Scott's mistakes. It will not happen again. We will do a corrected version and ensure that the proper names are allocated to the proper medallion numbers. I will go over each one individually with Scott, and that is my promise. Again, as the director in the office, it is my responsibility, and I accept that responsibility. Okay. With regards to some of the individuals that were brought up, we have brought up revocation complaints. We've brought up a lot since I've been there. They've been brought up repeatedly. This commission has been great, but they go on to another body after this. Again, also, the ADA lawsuit was filed, so I had probably 14 cases that I worked out myself. Because of the ADA lawsuit, I had to put them all on the shelf. Now that the ADA lawsuit is resolved, now I'm meeting with the city attorney to assess a list of priorities and obviously people that there's clear evidence of fraud, which, again, is one of the hardest causes of action to prove in the entire judicial system. If there is clear evidence of fraud, those individuals will be brought forward to you. But I will not bring a case forward to you unless there is clear evidence. It's not fair to the permit holder, it's not fair to the public, and it's not fair to you. There has to be clear evidence. So I'm going to bring cases to you with clear evidence, and I will ensure that the complaints are pristine with no typographical errors, as occurred here this evening. I will bring you a corrected copy, and I'll be meeting with my staff first thing tomorrow morning to ensure that we are addressing this issue in a timely manner. Thank you. Any other commissioners? Okay. Next item. The next item is consideration of penalties for the Clean Air Taxi Program. So, commissioners, you did consider this in my absence on June 24th, and there were some corrections which I attempted to convey into the resolution that you have here before you this evening in the packet. But then after a conversation with the commissioner that suggested those changes, which was Commissioner Onedo, he actually indicated to me that he had some other changes. So I made a corrected one, and he can – basically all it is for the public is it's just combining – there's just one penalty, two. Like it's just combining 2B and 2A into one statement. So that was – and I apologize. I just didn't have time to watch the tape from the June 24th hearing. But I presume that from your discussion and from conversations with you individually and members of the public that you were in agreement with most of the penalties that were proposed. 
Okay. Commissioners, any questions about this? So we've eliminated the airport privilege provision of these penalties. We've kept it at a dollar amount for the first violation. Second violation, that dollar amount is increased. No. No, it's the same. But that was what had to be corrected is there was a 2A and a 2B, which were supposed to be combined. So the dollar amount is the same, but the 2A, 2B was added into that to make just one penalty rather than having the two penalties where there was no basis for why you would pick either one. Okay. Just making it one penalty for each. Yeah. Okay. Are there any other questions about this? We'll go to public comment on this proposed rule change, this resolution. Is there any public comment on this? We are on agenda item number six, penalties for the clean air taxi program. There's a copy of the resolution that we're considering adopting here tonight. Actually, we're urging supervisors to adopt these penalties because we can't adopt these penalties. That is correct. Okay. Okay. Commissioner Breslin. I just feel that I need to comment on part of the discussion that ensued with the public and with the commissioners at the rules committee is that the penalties put teeth into enforcement, of course, of the clean air program, but there was a lot of discussion on how the commission office will work with people and that we shouldn't be seeing a lot of penalties of violations. We need to have them in place. Right. But we shouldn't be seeing the need to enforce them. I mean, no, I'm sorry. We will enforce them, but they shouldn't crop up in large amounts. I'm hoping we don't collect a nickel. Right. But if you don't have something there, it just gives them a little bit more incentive to follow the program. I agree. I just wanted to put that out there so the public knows the intention there. You've got to have the penalty balance, but it's not because we want to see people fail. Our first priority is to work with people to get them to comply voluntarily and do the right thing, and so far the evidence on that is pretty good, but this is necessary for those who decide they don't want to comply. Commissioner Onetto, would you like to add anything? Because you've been integral to both the clean air and the rules committee. This has been, this is just, well, we'll have to deal with the other issue that was brought up in the rules committee that now we can take that section out. Yeah. But, no, this looks fair to me. This gives, this is like progressive discipline, which I can understand, and I know the third penalty is pretty severe, but everyone has to realize that these, pardon me? Sorry. We're never going to get to a third penalty. I hope we don't get to the first one, to tell you the truth, but it's just that if we should get there, somebody has to fail three times in a year to get there, which is, I hope nobody gets to the first one. Would you like to make a motion, Commissioner Onetto? Motion to approve. Is there a second? Second. All in favor? Public comment. Oh, yeah, we went to, I asked for public comment, and there was none. Yeah. Yeah. We have a motion and a second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? 
Motion passes. Next item. The next item is Taxi Commission versus Simon Wong. This is a consideration of a summary suspension of medallion number 82 held by Simon Wong for violations of Municipal Police Code sections 1124 and Rule 4A1. Before we start, Director Thigpen, can I just go over with Mr. Owen and yourself the procedure for how we're going to go over this complaint? Is it going to be a seven-minute presentation again and a seven-minute response? Well, we also have a recusal that needs to take place. It's held by Luxor Cab. Okay. So Commissioner Benjamin needs to recuse on this item? Yeah. And as far as the seven minutes presentation, perhaps City Attorney Owen can read the admonishment regarding hearings. Is Sergeant Reynolds going to present on this also? Yeah, he was going to be here. I don't know if he stepped outside. But as far as the case for the department you are presenting? Yes, and I will call him as a witness. He actually drafted this complaint in my absence. Normally I would be drafting a full complaint, but this is just for the summary suspension. So we'll go over that. Okay. I was asking Sergeant Reynolds whether you're going to be presenting the case on the Simon Wong for the department or are you just here as a reference if we need to ask you questions? I haven't been asked yet whether to represent, but I could do that if you would like. Okay. I think our Director Thigpen is prepared to do that. I just wanted to know what you preferred as far as your role, Mr. Owen. It doesn't bother me one way or the other. Okay. Okay. That's fine. We'll just keep you around because there might be questions since you drafted it. Yeah. Mr. Owen. Just to summarize the hearing procedures that the Commission's adopted for a review of summary suspensions, the department's representative has the burden of proof, speaks first. The department's representative and the permit holder shall each have seven minutes to present their case in chief, including the presentation of witnesses. The parties may request and the President of the Commission in his or her discretion may grant additional time if the matter is complex. There shall be no cross-examination of witnesses as a matter of right, but the opposing party may propose questions for adverse witnesses through the President of the Commission. After each side has presented its case in chief, the President may entertain questions for the parties from Commission members. After the Commission members have concluded their questions, the department's representatives and the permit holder shall each have three minutes to present their rebuttal. If any, the department's representative shall speak first. The rules also provide for public comment prior to the presentation of the case and the following admonition. Disciplinary hearings regarding possible permit suspensions or revocations are quasi-judicial proceedings. The decisions of the Commission must be based exclusively on properly admitted evidence. The Commission may not base any factual determinations necessary for its decisions on anything other than such evidence. Information presented through public comment is not evidence and will not be considered by the Commission for those purposes. Thank you. And I've had a request from Mr. Wong to be assisted in his presentation, so without any objection, I will allow that for the seven-minute period during which you have to make your presentation. So, 
Director Thigpen. Did um, I hear you say that the public comment can occur? It, it occurs at the beginning. Okay. I could. I could take that now, uh, Mr. Owen, or I guess that's what that means. Okay, so with, uh, I'm going to allow Mr. Rathbun to work with Mr. Wong during his seven-minute presentation and rebuttal, so you won't have to speak during this public comment time. But I'll take any other public comment now, if there is any. Is there any public comment on this for one minute? Good evening, Barry, Barry Toronto here. I read the staff report. I didn't. I would like to have heard the seven-minute presentation first, but it won't be fair. Um, but the problem is, is that it hoards me to read that, that a, a driver who is not licensed to drive a taxi cab or have all the proper identification at all, and 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 the, and the deluxe dispatcher didn't know who he is. That is abhorrent. And I think you need to deal sooner than later with this, with this uh, adding this fourth layer. The fact that he signed a separate contract that Luxor had very little to do with, um, would do with, with another individual is a very serious matter. It's not the color schemes issue, it's the medallion holder. And um, I think you need to figure out a way of how to stop this or punish in a legitimate way medallion holders who create these separate leases and that the companies, do, the color schemes have nothing to do, know about. Please address this issue sooner or later. And this is a, stop, a start to stop this from happening by, by not allowing this to continue, but how you deal with the situation. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Seeing none, public comment is closed on this. Director Thickman, you have yes. seven minutes. So um, I will give a brief introduction of the case, and then I will call Sergeant Reynolds, who um, actually issued this complaint in my absence. Um, essentially, we have a situation here um, where a person was driving a taxicab vehicle who was completely unknown to the company that was allegedly or apparently um, to the public employing him. And, you know, um, the problem that we have with this is, is endemic to the industry right now with these brokers. Um, we have a rule on this, we have clear guidelines, and yet continually we receive evidence in the Commission Office of people violating this rule. This case is merely the tip of the iceberg, as is another case which will be heard later on. Um, pursuant to continuance. These brokers are predatory upon the color schemes. They are predatory upon the medallion holders themselves. They are predatory upon the drivers. They are contributing to the decline of this industry. And while they are allowed to exist and while they do not face consequences for their actions, we are all suffering. Sergeant Reynolds will now go into the facts of the case with regards to this individual, but I will point out that all you are considering this evening is whether or not to continue the summary suspension of the medallion pending the drafting of a more full complaint with additional causes of action which will be performed by myself and which will be brought forward to you at a later time. Good evening. On 6-1708, a police officer at about uh, 7 o'clock observed a cab um, go through a stop sign. This is one of the officers that has uh, taken it on himself to be trained on um, all the aspects of taxi enforcement. He made a traffic stop and the end result was he asked for identification, he asked for um, a card, he asked for a driver's license and all the required um, information that he needed. Uh, the driver was unable to provide any of that information. A computer check 
revealed that he had a suspended or revoked driver's license. So the officer immediately called Luxor, asked him if this was an employee of Luxor's, to which Luxor said, no, we do not have a person by that name working. The medallion was seized, the cab was towed, and then on the following morning I did a follow-up. The follow-up basically consisted of contacting the medallion holder and the color scheme. I had a meeting with both of those folks where a long-term lease with another individual was shown that was supposed to be operating that vehicle. Apparently, Mr. Baines, who had the contract, had then leased it to another individual who at that time was caring for his wife and new son, so then it was a fourth lease to the person that was stopped by the police. Trying to understand this concept of four- and five-layer rules has been one of the most difficult things that I've had to deal with since I've been in the taxi detail. I've tried to explain it to the district attorney's office to get complaints, and it's a very difficult concept to understand. The bottom line is you have five people basically working this medallion. You have the four individuals, and then you have the color scheme that also is getting something from this. The problem is Mr. Wong did not know who was operating his medallion, did not know where the vehicle was being shift-changed, did not know who was operating the vehicle. Since that time, Mr. Simon has ended that contract and has now gone back to a regular gas and gates with Luxor, which at least now we will have some kind of control. But this case is still ongoing. As I said, two people have been suspended for this. There are two more. The individual that leased it from Mr. Baines, and then the individual that then leased it to his relative on the fourth layer. Without understanding who is operating the vehicle, without understanding A cards, without understanding or knowing who these folks are, it makes my job next to impossible to try to enforce and regulate. And as the deputy director has said, these are the problems that we're having, and this is why I mentioned earlier this is going to be a high priority from now on. I want to see these leases. I want to know who these people are. I want to know where they're shift-changed. So that's basically this case. There has been some resolution. The long-term leasing will no longer occur with this, and it will be sent back to a color scheme where it can be controlled. I'm having a little bit of a hard time following this. In the third page of the complaint, it says that Kumar stated that the owner of medallion number 82, a Mr. Singh, Jasveer Singh Baines, let him drive Luxor 82. Yes. And then further down it says on 6-26-2008, Investigator Scott Leon, it says met with Simon Wong and John Lazar. Wong is the person in charge of medallion 82. What does that mean? This is a corporate medallion, and Mr. Wong, he is the holder of that medallion. So he leases it to Mr. Baines. I thought Luxor Cab has returned all their corporate medallions. No, not that I'm aware of. This is still a corporate medallion, and Mr. Wong has eight corporate medallions in his service. 
Mr. Ong. It may be a corporate medallion owned by a different corporation operating through Luxor. Okay, so Luxor Cab has returned all the corporate medallions in their name, but this could be a corporate medallion under Mr. Wong's name that is now being operated at the Luxor Color Scheme. Okay. Well, then it says Kumar State, the owner of medallion number 82, is a Mr. Singh. So that's a false statement. Mr. Singh, it's Mr. Baines, Singh Baines. So, again, it goes. But he's not the owner of medallion. No, he is a leaser. There is no such thing as an owner of medallion, first of all. Correct. Okay. Except the people of the city and county of San Francisco. So Mr. Wong is the permit holder, is the name on the corporate permit. That is correct. Okay. And he leases it to Mr. Singh Baines, and then Mr. Singh Baines leased it to Mr. Kumar, and then Mr. Kumar leased it to his relative. So there's the four layers, if you don't include the Luxor as being the color scheme. And you also have the problem that the driver identified himself as a person who he wasn't, and he was using the identification of another driver. He ultimately, under threat of MPC violations, he did tell the officer who he was. That's how we were able to determine that he did have an expired suspended driver's license. Okay. So, again, I'm a little confused that you said that there's been some resolution to this, but you're asking us tonight for a continuance of the summary suspension. We're just bringing it up. We have to bring these summary suspensions forward to you in a certain timeline, and then you consider whether or not to extend the summary suspension while the main complaint is pending. So that's what you're hearing tonight, is whether or not to. So this is not the main complaint? No. Okay. There will be a further complaint with all of the full violations that are outlined in this. This is just for the summary suspension. You see, the summary suspension is a two-step process. The summary suspension is issued and then pending a hearing, and then we can issue a further complaint based on what is the basis for the summary suspension. I actually have to follow up on what President Gillespie just asked, because I also wasn't clear whether or not the medallion is or is not currently in use as a gas and gate medallion. Is it currently in use? We are informed that the medallion has been transferred over to gas and gate, with all five of the individuals affiliated with it being a gas and gate. We are informed of that from Luxor Cab. And so the suspension that is in place that you're looking to us for whether or not to continue it, it's been transferred, but it's still suspended. So the medallion is not in play right now. It's been transferred, but it's suspended. That is correct. That is correct, yes. And, again, when this investigation first started, Mr. Wong was the primary suspect in this investigation, and that's why until we could determine exactly what happened with all the players involved, the suspension took place until we could get control on the situation. As I started talking to all of the parties involved, I soon realized that Mr. Wong, even though he is responsible for that medallion, he did not know what was happening with the people that were leasing this. So when he became aware, he took the proper actions to try to correct the situation, and that's why we're here tonight to bring it to you. I just present and investigate. Ultimately, you make the decisions. 
So that is why we're bringing it to you to make the decision. Does he keep his medallion? Does the suspension keep going? Are you not making a recommendation? I mean, I will make a recommendation. Yes. It is not our role to make recommendations. But on the one hand, you're saying that it's been resolved. And on the other hand, you're asking us to continue the suspension. So that's what I'm trying to figure out here. We, pursuant to the code, we can't actually make recommendations. We just bring the results forward. It's actually my position, my office that brings it forward with the assistance of investigators or, in this case, Sergeant Reynolds. So we bring it forward to you, and then you make the decision. But we do not actually make a recommendation to you. That is up to you to do so. When Sergeant Reynolds states that it is resolved, what he means is that the matter has been taken, the medallion has been removed from the broker and is now being operated. We are informed. It will be operated as a gas and gates medallion once the suspension is lifted, if that is your will. If you decide to continue the suspension pending the full complaint, we'll hear the complaint, and then at that time you can make a decision. We want to lift it or we want to revoke it or whatever you like to do, whatever is your pleasure. And when would that be anticipated? That complaint, well, I could have it. I probably won't schedule it. It probably won't be scheduled due to the workflow in the office and the other issues we've outlined this evening. It probably wouldn't be scheduled until the second meeting in August, the 26th. Because, you know, one of the questions that come up to commissioners is, you know, why is a medallion not operating and not serving the public, and what happens, you know, to the drivers who were innocent or didn't really have anything to do with the perpetration of the, I'm not going to call it fraud, but so that's, I mean, we have to decide whether to continue the suspension tonight. So I'm trying to find out what's the case for continuing the suspension. And you made a very good case for when we came upon this situation, we tried to rectify it. And if I feel like there's a commitment now to operate this as gas and gates, then I have to question, you know, why, and there's still going to be a case brought against the original people, but is it right for us to continue the suspension to keep the medallion off the streets? That's what I'm going to ask myself when I make this decision. And I apologize. I guess I should have stated the violation of the four-layer rule is the situation that has been resolved. We no longer have that problem. So that is what I meant by that has been resolved. Okay. And as an investigation goes, you learn more and more information. And, again, we discussed what happened. We made the decision that we were going to pull the medallion until we could get a clear handle on this. Now that we've interviewed a number of people, we're beginning to get a better idea of exactly what occurred. And so that's why, as the investigation continues, things do change. And that's why I'm presenting the facts that I have tonight. Okay. There's no other questions? Commissioner Small? If the four-layer, it's been rectified for the moment, but it's still, is that part of what you're ongoing? I mean, there's some consequence to that if that's behavior that's not supposed to take place. That is correct. And so you're ongoing with your investigation on that? That is correct. Okay. Okay. We're only about halfway through this. Okay. Okay. Okay, so we'll go now to seven minutes for Mr. Wong and Mr. Rathbone to present. Good evening. I'm Simon Wong. I'm actually Vice President of American Cab Company Corporation. 
I guess there's a couple of things I need to straighten out. One is that I'm not sure if I should be the one that's in violation. My corporation, I guess, would be ultimately in violation. I'm just the vice president. The second thing is that we have not signed a contract with Luxor for Gas and Gate. Our intention is to sign a contract with Luxor for Gas and Gate. That's depending on what, I guess, what your decision would be after tonight. My corporation holds three medallions, 81, 82, and 83. We know what happened to 82. And in the lease agreement, oh, by the way, I'm not a broker. This is a family business. I just wanted to state that. It's kind of weird hearing me be called a broker. 82 has a lease agreement that says that there are certain rules that they must follow or the driver must follow. And one of the rules is that he or she who's driving must abide by all taxi cab rules and regulation. Now, by passing it on to the next person, in this case, he's immediately in violation of the lease agreement, which ultimately terminates that lease between myself, my corporation, and the driver. So it kind of cuts itself off where it doesn't get to the third tier or the fourth tier because he's no longer allowed to drive the cab. He broke the law. That's how it's set up to be. I think a couple of questions that Officer Reynolds, what happened was that when I was questioned by Officer Reynolds, I knew that there's a loophole that exists. And this loophole is what I guess was told to me what brokers do is that they get more and more people to drive these cars. I can't fix this loophole. I can't fix this problem. So what I had proposed is that I want to move the three medallions immediately to Gas and Gate where it can be managed and monitored by Luxor Cab Company and where it should fix this loophole. Not only did I propose that to Sergeant Reynolds, but I had also mentioned that Fortuna Transportation is another corporation that holds five medallions, 72, 73, 74, 78, and 79. I had also proposed that that corporation move all five medallions to Gas and Gate. So I'm taking additional steps to be sure that this – I'm not doing this just so I can fix the problem that happened with 82. I want to be sure that 82, 83, 84, 72, 73, 74, 78, 79, all of them not run into the same problem again. So we're currently in discussion as to how is this contract – how are we going to make sure that everything works properly and that this doesn't happen again. Good evening, Commissioners. Charles Rathbone on behalf of Luxor Cab. As you know, on the night of June 17th, we learned from the police department that one of our cabs was, in fact, being operated illegally. That cab and its medallions have been out of service ever since. The cab is locked up on Luxor Cab's lot. We are very grateful that an alert and a well-informed police officer recognized immediately that there was a problem with that cab and did alert us to that. Luxor Cab's dispatch staff cooperated fully with the police that evening. Thanks to our good level of computerization, the dispatcher was able to inform the police officer within minutes that, in fact, the driver was not authorized to be in the cab. At every step of the way, Luxor's management and Mr. Wong have cooperated fully with the investigation. The result of our own investigation the next morning is that there was a violation of trust as well as a violation of law. A driver 
gave the keys to another person that he had no business giving the keys to. That was an illegal act, and we are grateful that no grave harm occurred as a result. The two drivers mostly directly responsible have been told to stay away from our cabs forever. One has been fired. The other never worked for us in the first place. In our discussions with Simon, we have focused on how to make sure that it can never happen again. As he mentioned, pending the outcome of tonight's hearing, we expect that all of the Wong family permits will operate as Luxor gate and gas cabs. There will be a relatively short transition period of a few weeks to allow an orderly changeover of vehicles and to allow the existing contracts to be fulfilled. We believe that operating these cabs as gates and gas will provide a very strong protection against the recurrence. The cabs will get closer monitoring than is possible in the current lease arrangements. I do also want to point out that Mr. Wong is not a broker in the way that we have been speaking about brokers over the last few months here at the commission. He is the proper representative of his family's corporately held medallions. Charles, I'm sorry to interrupt, and I don't dispute that he's not a broker, but it does sound pretty indisputed that he leased the – that there was a broker involved in this situation. Is that right? I would resist the description of Mr. Wong as a broker. No, I'm not suggesting Mr. Wong is a broker. My understanding is that the medallion was managed, whether you call the person who was brokering it or not, was managed by somebody else who Mr. Wong had no idea, who then had the relationship with various people at Luxor who told the people at Luxor who was going to be driving the cab. Is that right? I think there's a – Maybe I'm missing it. I think that is not exactly accurate. What is Mr. Bain's relationship? Mr. Bain leases the medallion from Mr. Wong. Yes. And Mr. Bain is a broker or is not a broker? He is not. He is a cab driver who leases a medallion and then purchases services through Luxor Cab. Okay. So in any event, we believe that both Luxor and the Wong family have acted in good faith in this matter, and we use the same long lease arrangements that are common throughout the industry and have been for years and that comprise half or more of the industry today. As you know, there are obvious problems with the long lease arrangements. Luxor has taken the lead in suggesting solutions to that in the Rules Committee. We believe that that is the place to discuss the industry-wide problems that arise here. I'm seeing a signal that – have I talked too long? I'm going to give you another minute because we have a commissioner question. Well, just to wrap up, in light of the whole picture and keeping in mind that the Wong family medallions have operated without incident for years, we ask that the suspension of permit number 82 be removed and that the cab go back into service as a gates and gas cab and also that the broader issues be addressed as industry-wide problems at the Rules Committee rather than focusing exclusively on this one permit. And, of course, lastly, we do intend to continue cooperating fully with the ongoing investigation and look forward to a good resolution to this unfortunate matter. Thank you, Mr. Charles. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Bain. The case just argued is submitted.
Okay. One follow-up question while I'm still here. I've heard you say a couple of times, Mr. Wong, Mr. Rathbone, that you intend to have the medallions operate as of gas and gates pending the outcome of tonight's hearing. It sounds to me like you're saying if the suspension is lifted, we're going to do that, and if not, we'll decide what we're doing with the rest. What did you mean by pending the outcome of the hearing? Well, I mean, there's some ambiguity as to what will happen. I think there's two outcomes. One is it's suspended and one is not. So what's the plan under those two outcomes? May I defer to Mr. Wong? If the medallion is suspended, 81 and 83 is going to – they're all going to gas and gate. I mean, that's what I'm saying is that I understand what you're saying. They will be going. It has to – I have to, you know, go through the contract. That's all I wanted. That's all I wanted. I didn't understand. It sounded like there was ambiguity depending on what we decided, and I appreciate you clarifying that. I'm sorry. What I was trying to say is that I don't understand gas and gate fully, so I'm trying to understand all of that right now. Fair enough. Thank you. I appreciate it. Director, you have three minutes. So essentially all of the facts of the case have been outlined. We would just reiterate the Department's position that these type of four, five, six layers, six degrees of separation from reality are just absolutely not to be tolerated in the industry. They're contributing, as I stated, to the decline of the industry and to severe problems. It's reported in here that Mr. Baines is paying a fee of $3,725 a month for the privilege of operating a taxicab vehicle in this city. That is just unacceptable that a person would have to pay, and on top of that, presumably pay for gas prices and everything else and try to make a living in that condition. There's absolutely no way that a person that's paying that fee could then turn around and be expected to drive 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So clearly Mr. Baines had to be leasing the taxicab vehicle out to another individual, and you should have known that. So there is some culpability there that will be explored in a later complaint. But as to the summary suspension, those are issued in the cases of public health and safety. In the case of the other summary suspensions that we've issued in the past, they are issued to try to gain control of the situation. We have done that, and now it is before you to determine if it warrants continuing it pending the outcome of the full complaint. I don't really feel a need to rebut. I just would reiterate that we have a cab that's sitting on the lot. We have drivers that are not working, have a desire to get that cab back to work, and we will, of course, continue to comply fully with the investigation and cooperate with it. And so I ask respectfully that you lift the suspension on medallion number 82. Mr. Wong, would you like to add anything? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. You can sit down. Commissioners, deliberations, recommendations, questions? I do have a question of Sergeant Reynolds. Yes, Commissioner. Any of these leases on file? I'm sorry? Are any of these leases on file? Not that I can find. So I guess would you know in any part of your investigation if all of these leases, and I take it there's eight of them, are they all to the same individual? 
No, sir. Mr. Wong did, in fact, fax me the original lease that he had with Mr. Baines. That is the only one that I've seen, and that's after I requested it. Other than that, all that I've been told is that there is a pay fee that keeps going down. It's like a pyramid scheme. I know for a fact Mr. Baines charged Mr. Kumar a fee to take that cab out for that evening, and then Mr. Kumar charged Mr. Kumar another fee. So you have everybody charging a fee for that cab being out on the 617. No, I understand that part of it. I was just wondering who's got the leases to the other seven that you can just move them all into this one color scheme. Well, they're already in the color scheme, but to move them into the Gaskin Gate all of a sudden, if there's leases with a lot of individuals, what's happening? There's got to be some culpability to the leases that are sitting out there. So how can you just move these eight somewhere else? Well, that's what Mr. Wong, in the meeting that we had and in the interview that we had, he told me that he would take his seven other medallions and move them all. None of those are in question. None of those are at this point in question of being in violation of the four-layer rule, just number 82. So I have not looked into any other of his medallions. Just as a comment on my own particular thing, I'm not ready to lift a suspension until all eight of those are Gaskin Gate myself. You mean the other seven that aren't the subject of this complaint? Because number 82 is on. He said he was going to move them all to Gaskin Gate. So I'm not ready to lift any suspension until they are all Gaskin Gate. Otherwise, I'm not lifting a suspension on this one. But if it's suspended, he can't make that switch. But you want to see the other seven that he's promised to move, move there before you're ready to lift the suspension on 82. Is that what you're saying? Just following up on that last comment, I share, Commissioner, your feeling there. I'm not quite sure if it's the right or proper basis upon which to decide the only issue that's before us, which is whether to continue the suspension on 82. And my feeling is that we should continue the suspension on this medallion. And this relates to the discussion, a little bit of the discussion we had earlier tonight. We have authority over the medallion holders, over the A-card holders, over the color schemes. And we have very little, if any, authority over people like Mr. Baines who are out there operating. And until the color schemes and the medallion holders believe that there will be consequences to their actions, in this case, Mr. Wong freely does not dispute that he had no idea who was driving his cab, no idea who was operating his medallion. And Luxor had no idea who was operating the cab. And I just don't think that we can sit here and say, well, we're going to solve the problem in the future, and that's okay, and the suspension will have been in place for however long it will have been in place. But it's just, in my view, a toothless response. And I would hope that we would continue the suspension and that I would encourage the executive director, when she prepares her complaint, to seriously consider requesting that this commission revoke the medallion. Because until 
those until we take actions that send a message to medallion holders that they better know who are operating their cabs, then nothing's going to change. And I would suggest at the same time when she prepared the complaint that she think about potential implications to the color scheme. Same thing. Those are the two points of entry and pressure points that we can affect today and without going back and changing rules. And I agree it's a larger issue in this industry. And we can, that's why I mentioned earlier, we can talk about having defined, a certain number of defined relationships. You can have a gassing case, you can have leasing relations, but maybe we could do a better job of defining how those, what are permissible leasing arrangements. For instance, having the leasing only go through the color scheme so the color scheme manages who is driving the cabs. But for now, we have something we can do. And I think when the word gets out to medallion holders and color schemes that they can't just sort of say, oh my God, it's a problem out there and I can't solve it, my guess is they'd start solving it pretty darn quick if they thought that there was consequences to having people out there without aid cards, people out there without badges, people out there who they don't know operating their cabs. So I realize that this might be coming down hard on Mr. Wong, although he's got, I do note that he's got seven other medallions. And I realize it might be coming down hard on Luxor since they're the first ones that this has come up to, at least since I've been here. But I can only deal with the cases that are before me, and this case is before me. And that's the way I think about it. Thank you, Commissioner. Anyone else would like to comment? I'll play devil's advocate here. And I usually don't like to keep a medallion off the street. That's my number one thing. And this is not a public safety issue. I hear every single word that you're saying, but I think this is unlike the hit and runs, the hit and runs where we're letting the driver continue to have his A card, you know, and that's a public safety issue. There's an inferred wrongdoing here, and we're all trying to find a solution to the broker issue. But it's an inferred wrongdoing. And I don't know whether or not I would favor reinstating it pending the outcome of the investigation instead of the other way around or not. I need to just think about this a little minute. Because I do, Commissioner Slaughter, I recognize everything that you're saying, and it's a very frustrating situation. And the leases aren't on file, so that in itself is something wrongdoing. But as I hear from the sergeant, nobody has leases on file, you know. So we're kind of making a poster boy here, you know, a poster child situation. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I agree with that. I was just going to agree with that very last point, right, which is, again, no one's got leases on file. And, yes, we might be making an example. But, unfortunately, as I said, we can only deal with the cases that get before us, and this one is before us. You know, I wouldn't, picking up on something you said, Commissioner Breslin, I realize that this could be a departure from how the commission has acted in the past. And perhaps the way to proceed, and although, again, I could be convinced either way, is to pick up on what you said, which is to lift the summary suspension but encourage the executive director to bring the complaint. And, as I said, I would encourage her to bring 
There's nothing preventing us from lifting suspension, getting the medallion back on the road, as I agree with you. It's not a public safety issue. And then having a full hearing on whether there should be further consequences, such as a revocation of the medallion and or a penalty to the color scheme for these violations. But, you know, since it's not a public safety concern, allow the medallion to operate pending the outcome of however the commission decides to act if the executive director brought it before us in that manner. But, I mean, that's another option. I just want to say that I'm just going to pick up on the public safety. It's just that's not what we're dealing with because that didn't happen. But there was a potential there as the releases got down and down the line. So I just want to keep that in mind. That's true. Right. And I'll pick up on that, too, that the farther you go down and people don't have A cards, don't have training, haven't gone through, you know, any of the things that all the rest of us have to go through, then it does become a public safety issue to have people out there driving who have no connection to the regulatory scheme that everybody else has to obey by. Although in this case we have been assured and promised that the medallions would become gas and gates medallions, which would give more control so that when pending the were we to lift the suspension but go forward with a complaint, you wouldn't have the concern of the same thing reoccurring during the pendency of our consideration. And I wasn't even considering stopping the process. And if found culpable, that we take a serious look at revocation if it warrants that or, you know, whatever it warrants down the road. I'm just looking at the whole picture here. You make a very valid point about as it drills down the line, we do have safety issues. Director Thigpen, if we were to uphold the summary suspension, at what point would that be reconsidered, if any? Yes, well, as I stated, I would bring up the complaint and have it for the second meeting in August, which I believe is the 26th. And so it would be heard at that time. And that would be a complaint as to the substance of charges. Correct. But we could still hold that. We could lift the summary suspension and still hold that hearing, right? Yes. As to the actual charges? The complaint will be brought regardless. And then the complaint right now, we were, I mean, there's multiple parties involved, and some have not even been served yet with the summary suspension. Right. Only two have been. So our decision tonight is whether to continue this summary suspension or not. I would like to say, too, on the hearing on the 26th, no matter which way we go tonight, but on the hearing on the 26th would be an excellent opportunity for Mr. Wong to show good faith in moving other medallions to Gas and Gate. It definitely would be a great opportunity for him to show that. Well, in light of everything that's been said, I just want to, from my own opinion, want to speak in favor of keeping the summary suspension in place pending some of the outcomes that we would like to see and pending the hearing of the full complaint. So that's my opinion. If there's any other discussion or if there's a motion from anyone. Motion. I'll make a motion. Is there a second? Second. Do I have a roll call vote? Commissioner Benjamin. You know what? You need to have a public comment. No, no. 
Yeah, before action. Actually, yeah, public comment was at the beginning. I'm sorry, I apologize. Yeah. Okay, so. And Commissioner Benjamin is recused. Yes, Commissioner Benjamin is recused. I'm sorry, Commissioner Slaughter made the motion? Commissioner Neto made the motion. I seconded it. To lift the suspension? No, no, no. To keep it? Okay, sorry. Okay. Okay, Commissioner Neto on that motion to keep the suspension in place pending a hearing on this particular medallion number 82. Correct. Okay, Commissioner Slaughter? Aye. Commissioner Gillespie? Yes. Commissioner Breslin? For the sake of unity, I'm going to vote yes. Okay, Commissioner Suval? Yes. Okay, the motion is unanimous. The medallion number 82 will remain suspended pending a noticed hearing. Next item. The next item is the consent calendar. And I have an admonishment to read regarding the consent calendar. All matters listed here under constituted consent calendar are considered to be routine by the commission and will be acted upon by a single roll call vote of the commission. There will be no separate discussion of these items unless a member of the commission so requests, in which event the matter shall be removed from the consent calendar and considered as a separate item. And through the chair, I have a couple that should be recused. I'm sorry. Well, one item should actually be recused, which is item D. And as to some other items through the chair, I'd like to request that they be severed, specifically item C1. And I'm told item C2. Is that correct, Mr. Seamus? You want to have some statements about that? Is that correct? Yes? Okay. So item C1 and C2. C1 indicates that it's been continued. Yeah, what I see is 1 and 4 being continued to July 22nd. Actually, C1, he's here this evening, and he has some paperwork. He wants to ask you about something tonight. And he came here tonight to do that. So he's here tonight. Okay. And how about C4? And C4, I don't see him here this evening. He is continued. The reason for his continuance, just so everyone's aware, is staff did conduct a full investigation of this individual's waybills, found some pretty serious discrepancies, and wanted to give him the opportunity to answer to that. And that's why we did that. That's fine. I have no problem with that. So C4 will be continued to our next meeting. I recuse myself on D1, and we're severing item C1. That's the only item we're formally severing for a discussion. C1 and 2. Oh, C1 and 2. Okay. And 3. 3 also? No, C. I'm requesting. Okay. Okay. Only for the, what we usually do on these. Okay. Pending the investigation. Okay. Okay, I'll take public comment on the consent calendar now for one minute. If you're going to, are you Mr. Ghali? Mr. Ghali, okay. We'll bring you up at the time that we sever this, so you won't have to speak right now under public comment. I'll take general public comment on the entire consent calendar, including all severed items except for Mr. Ghali himself for one minute. Is there anyone? Seeing none, public comment is closed. Okay. Mr. Ghali, please. Thank you, Commissioners. My name is Suleiman Ghali, and I applied for, followed the procedures to apply for my medallion. And late, just a night before, I went on the Internet, and I found out that my name has an asterisk next to it, 
So the next morning, I went to the taxi cab commission and asked him what happened. Nobody told me what's going on. They said, come to the meeting, you'll find out. I said, why have I been moved? So I start asking questions, and I find out that the problem is I applied to get my medallion to Delta because I have been driving at 1235, and then I found out there are some issues with Delta. So I asked the executive director, I have no emotional attachment to any companies. I want my medallion. And I went to, I said, can I speak to the commissioner if I get a permission from another taxi cab to put my medallion with them and work with them? So I went to Luxor, and I spoke to them, and they gave me all the necessary paper that it's okay with them to work to bring my medallion to Luxor. And I showed it to the executive director. She said, okay, bring it to the meeting tonight. So I'm requesting to get my medallion. You can scrap the going to Delta and put it for Luxor. And I would appreciate that. Nobody informed me of the procedures. I found out by myself, and it was a last-minute change. And if it's okay for the commissioner to do a last-minute change, I'm requesting to do a last-minute change for me to be permitted to go to Luxor because the issues with Delta, I don't know what's going on. I don't want to be caught in the middle. All I need is to go out and make a little bit of money driving my own cab. I appreciate it, and thank you very much. And I hope you consider moving me to Luxor tonight. And I have all the paper, if you want to see it, signed by Luxor Company, all the necessary documents. You can leave it there. So it's true that no one informed him, and the reason for that is because we're conducting a full investigation into some activities going on at the yard of 999 Pennsylvania Street, and additionally into Delta Cab. I have tried to resolve this matter between the parties involved in the daily work that we do. I gave them a deadline of July 2nd, which is the commission agenda. They indicated to me that they possibly would be able to resolve it the next day. So in the meantime, Mr. Ghali was on hold so that if they did resolve, Delta would not be impacted as a business and would be able to receive this medallion, assuming that the matter was able to resolve. Rather than bringing Mr. Ghali into the situation and having him have a negative opinion of something that may pan out to be not reality. That's why we did that. It was actually for your protection and for the protection of the company. So that's why we took that step of not informing him of the fact that he was continued. We were hoping everything would resolve and we wouldn't need to have this discussion. There are many more situations, rather facts, with regards to this situation. And in the meantime, Mr. Ghali has indicated on his own accord, again, he will confirm as he did this evening, that I had no communication with him about any particular company or whatsoever. So he has come on his own motion to come with regards to Luxor. And the other thing, knowing that the meeting is going to be tonight for my issue with the medallion, you know, in the next couple of weeks, because we've already, my kids are going to be out from the summer school, we made an arrangement with the family to be out a couple of weeks from now. So it just is going to be really problematic changing the whole summer family vacation with the kids. Just all this thing can happen at the same time. I would really appreciate it if you change me from Delta to Luxor. So my only question is whether we can do that or not. To the city attorney, can't we just waive the noticing of this new switch and hear it tonight? 
even from a purely noticing point of view, it's sufficient. You've got them down as a potential medallion recipient. It is sufficient, so we could allow them. Yes, the specification of the company is secondary. Okay. So as long as we have what we consider to be a legitimate agreement between Luxor and Mr. Ghali to take on his medallion, that the way it's noticed is sufficient and we can make this. That's the opinion of both Director Thigpen and Mr. Owen. Okay. Is there any other discussion on this? I have to recuse. Okay. So I don't see any problem with it, Mr. Ghali, and I would support this and appreciate the work that's been done in trying to resolve this. So this has been severed. Is there a motion on this? Yes. Motion to approve pending. Motion to approve transfer to Luxor Cab Pender. Well, motion to grant the permit for Mr. Ghali to co-scheme Luxor pending approval of his police background check. It's actually, isn't it contingent? I mean, we grant it now, but if something comes up at a later point. Only with respect to the background check. It's contingent upon him successfully passing the background check. That's, I think, how we were saying it. Just to be clear, though, we're granting his medallion tonight, and he's getting it. I know this is what we've been doing, and that that background check will continue, and should there come up a problem, that would cause this approval to be invalid. Okay. So we have a motion and a second. All in favor? Aye. Any opposed? That motion passes. Congratulations, sir. Can I have that paperwork back? Sorry. The other, okay, item C2 now. That's continued. The same motion that we just made on this one. Would you like to make that on? Didn't the director say Mr. Seamus wanted to address this? Yeah. He wants to make a statement. Is that correct? Good evening, commissioners. I'd like to ask you one question. Because I last five years, I get a ramp medallion, and I'm getting a regular medallion today. And my car, I bought my car one year ago. It's a very good car. It's 1,200,000 miles. Can I use my car in the next five, six months? He's asking to use a ramp vehicle. It's a ramped vehicle, and he wants to keep picking up paratransit customers. Is that correct? He has a customer base, and he wants to keep serving the paratransit community. That's come up before, and we've allowed it before, and I don't see any reason why not to this time. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you for your dedication to that. Okay. Commissioner, are we dealing with two and three in the same manner, in the same type of vote here? Yes. Okay. Thank you. 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 Thank
Yeah. Okay, Commissioner Netto, you want to make that? Uh, motion to, uh, well, they're both, they're different though. One's regular, one's alternate. Does that make a difference? Okay. Motion to grant, uh, the, uh, regular cab medallions permit to, uh, these two individuals pending, or is it contingent on them passing the, am I doing it right? Contingent on them passing the background check. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Motion passes. Congratulations, Mr. Seamus and Mr. Peterson. Okay. Vice President Breslin, item D. Yes, item D, consideration of the Taxi Commission to grant a color scheme change to Leonard Howe. Um, President Gillespie is recused. Do I have a motion? Motion. To, to approve. approve. <laughs> a second? Second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? Seeing none. Motion passes. Thank you. Next item. Oh, wait a minute. I believe we, 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 actually, we actually didn't convert <coughs> to A and B. Oh. <laughs> motion on that? Oh, you're right, because we separated. Yeah. Is there a motion? motion to approve the remainder of the consent calendar. <laughs> Is there a second? second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Motion passes. Next item. Thank you. The next item is item nine, consideration of possible regulations for reconsideration of medallion applications <coughs> prior to February 2008. Um, there's a, a little bit of a typo there, but it's uh, Municipal Police Code Section 1121. What, what's the typo? It's, it's just syntax error. Essentially what you're considering is consideration of possible regulations for reconsiderations, reconsideration of medallion applications made prior to February 2008 amendments to MPC section 1121. Okay. So. Director Thigpen, do you want to present this? Or uh, yeah, actually, um, City Attorney Tom Owen actually drafted these. So perhaps he could um, present them. Essentially, um, the uh, Daily Ma, um, he'll present this, the specifics of what he drafted, but it just has an overview. Municipal Police Code Section 1121 is the so-called um, Daily Ma legislation, which um, governs the driving requirement for medallion applicants. And in February of 2008, the um, Board of Supervisors uh, adopted some amendments to that. And in the last portion of the amendments that they adopted, it stated that the Taxi Commission could, by regulation, provide for uh, reconsideration of certain applications. And that would be at the Commission's um, discretion to adopt those regulations and how they would be applicable. Um, so what we did is uh, Tom Owen drafted these. My office has been investigating how many affected people there would be. Um, we have already identified that there would be approximately 26 people affected. And then from there, it goes back even more. But the problem is that um, we, uh, before that, it was the taxi detail that before we took it on of investigating the, um, you know, the individuals that come up for uh, medallions, before that, it was actually taxi detail that was handling that process. So we would have to go back in, read all the minutes for the years of 2004, since Daily Mom was adopted, and 2005. So we just haven't had time to do that yet, but we will do that. Um, to let you know how many people would be affected by that as well. Um, some of the outstanding administrative issues with regards to this, independent of adopting any regulations, would be noticing any individuals. Obviously, we can identify those 26 
that anybody before that, and then also noticing anybody that believes they may have been affected. So we would request a staff that the commission adopt some type of procedures and regulations pertaining to the noticing requirements, how many people we should be noticing, whether it should be anybody who was removed from the wait list, et cetera. Okay. Mr. Owen, would you like to walk through this a little bit, or if there's anything that needs to be highlighted here? I think it's pretty self-explanatory. It provides for reconsideration for anyone who was denied a medallion or removed from the waiting list in calendar year 2005 or later, and it's only those applicants who were denied or removed because of insufficient driving experience. And in order to reapply, they'd have to prove that they have sufficient driving experience under the new standards. If they simply didn't drive at all during this period, there's no reason to reconsider them, even under the new daily MAS standards. I suggested setting some sort of a deadline for completion of applications in order to eventually cut off this process. I suggested October 1st. Certainly anybody who could get their paperwork in before that could be considered before then. There would have to be some decisions made about who to notice and how to notice them. And then after that, the commission would receive the applications. They'd be considered in the order that they were received. The applicant would retain the burden proof on all the issues. They wouldn't be required to pay any fee that they had already paid. The commission would then apply the driving experience standards set under the new legislation, but any other requirements would be measured against current standards. The executive director would make a recommendation to the commission, and the full commission could then accept or deny that recommendation. Mr. Breslin. Yes. I have a couple of questions, but I just want to start with, do they then, if approved, the 26, if some of them are approved, do they go to the top of the list? They go right there. In the order that the commission grants the reconsideration. Okay. And can I just proceed with questions? Yes. Okay. Through the chair again. Yes. Those that, are there some of the 26 that a decision wasn't made, that they're just on hold waiting? No. Okay. All right. Just want to make sure on that. We dealt with all those. Like we noticed at Sunoco and all the people that were like in the void, they're all dealt with now. They're all dealt with. Okay. And then as far as the noticing procedures, I see first class mail here, but I think it's really crucial with this, especially since we're dealing with finite numbers, but we actually don't know if others will come out and say, well, I took my name off the list because I thought I wouldn't make it with the 2004. So I think it's really critical that we do return receipts on these or certified mail on these, just so that there's no mistaking that notices went out to certain individuals. 
I know that's costly, but I think it's worth it in this particular instance. Well, that, that's okay for the 26, but then that goes to the deeper question of what about, you know, these others that might be just out there? Well, I would almost say notice everyone. And I, I, I know our budget's pretty trim, but I'd say bite the bullet on this one, and, and it'd be about a couple of thousand dollars to do this noticing, but it would then at least uh, ensure that we're reaching out to everyone. But, I mean, like, who, who is everyone? Because that's, that's what I'm asking. Like, it's, the people that are on the waiting list are in a class of their own. Then we've got the people, right. the 26, and then we've got just this other class, and that could be defined in terms, we could just go ad infinitum on that. Like, right. You're absolutely right. The ones that are on the waiting list don't need to be noticed. Well, actually, I think they need to know what, what the rig is. But they haven't been already heard. This is a reconsideration. Yeah, this is for reconsideration of people who have been denied. I just want to make sure we don't let anyone drop through the cracks. I understand. to come back and, you know, later. And our staff has done some research and identified 26 people, and I'm just reluctant to go down the road of, you know, really broadly expanding that. Um, I didn't realize it was going to be as much as 26, but, you know, well, I, like think, I think part of that 26 should be looked at further. I don't know if we should just accept that there's 26. I think that the, uh, the key question there is the persons that are eligible for reconsideration, which means that they may have been denied uh, that opportunity to get a medallion for the 2004 consideration, but at the same time they may not be eligible for reconsideration because they don't qualify using today's standards. And uh, I think that that should be a broader scope before we start identifying that there's 26 people that are going to be coming before us. I, I think that the, the commission should look at this, you know, and those are the ones that should get the notice, that after they are examined and, it, and they do qualify, then those are specific people that will get that notice. And I don't think there will be that many. Yeah, I agree with you. Well, Commissioner Breslin has raised two issues. One is first class versus some kind of... Or something certified? Something. I would definitely send them certified. Okay. okay. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no problem with that. If okay. I mean, assuming we're talking about the 26 right now and not a larger class. Right. Yeah. Assuming you even adopt these, that's the other thing. Yeah. So is there any speci other specific change that you would make, Commissioner Breslin? I mean... <clears throat> no, no. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that our executive director has a handle on how to go through the lists and identify. So. I appreciate that. Vote of confidence. <laughs> any other commissioners have any questions on this? or? Can when we, can we hear can the first one? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to ask for questions first, and then we'll go to deliberations after public comment. So just to get everything on the table, if there's any other questions of Mr. Owen in the drafting of this. And, Mr. Owen, we can adopt this just as you've written it as as guidelines and procedures. It doesn't have to be in the form of a resolution or anything no, like that. It's on the agenda. It's informational. 
Oh. Yeah. Oh, it, that's right. I forgot. It was going to be two hearings. That's right. We've, that's that's right. the policy to do. Yeah. That's right. So for next time, I would put it in a resolution form. In and the form would, of a resolution. It would be the procedure, and it would direct you guys, you know. Okay. So as is our normal policy, this is up for consideration tonight and a vote at our next meeting. So is there any public comment on this item? Carl? Uh, just one. Well, if you raise one, serious I, questions, we can follow okay. up. Um, there was a situation where there was going to be some manifest injustice if these amendments weren't promulgated, and it had to do with the fact that the legislation, Daily Ma, was approved in August of 04, and the notices were mailed out in May of 05, and so it became unfair to hold a year 2004 as a year in which compliance was monitored. There were, I, I know of only two cases, Andy Snyko and Ray Delgado. It was done mainly so that they wouldn't have to go through the appeal process in Superior Court on this issue. And so we got the municipal police code changed. And as far as 26 people being affected, I agree with Commissioner Benjamin's comments. In fact, <clears throat> I suspect the majority of those people, you'll find they don't have A cards subsequent to being taken off the list. And right there, you can not even have to mail them anything. I think Tom Owens done a really good job to come up with the idea of having a deadline to apply, such as in October. Um, and the, the other thing is the only people affected, so that people in the audience understand this, people who were missing exactly two years, of which year 2004 was one, and that there would be very few such people. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for your work on this, Carl, and hope you get a chance to read this closely in the next two weeks. And if you have any, you know, amendments, please bring them to us. Next speaker. Very briefly, uh, I like Mr. Owen's proposal. I think uh, one thing that should be added to it is that you're beginning to change the rules faster and faster as the years go on. And it's complicating the issue because as you change the rules, the compliance of the rules has to become more and more effective, getting down to the last year or so. And I think what you ought to do on this proposal as well, set the rules at some specific juncture or junction and make them stick there without changing and going back into certain things like uh, we got to check your record going back to maybe you drove a taxi in Moscow and we have to check that. I think a lot of those things can be erased and taken out and still do justice to Mr. Owen's proposal by sticking to the rules and sticking the basics of what the original list was based for, that you, you drove, you got on the list, and some of the, oh, your clock's not working. Thank you. All right. That's my point. Thank, Thank you. you. Anyone else? Okay. Seeing none, public comment is closed. So this is up for information tonight. It'll be on our next committee, uh, commission agenda. Next item. The next item is a closed session discussion of Robert Friedman versus Taxi Commission. This is an action currently pending at the San Francisco Board of Appeals, appeal number 08-029. It's a discussion of potential settlement terms. And the first item is the public comment on all matters pertaining to the closed session. Thank you. And just so the public understands what we're going to do, we're going to be going into closed session, which means we're going to be having to empty the room. There is one more agenda item on the agenda, which is the public comment for anyone who didn't speak into the first public comment. 
So if there's anyone in that category, you're just going to have to stick around until we're done with our closed session. So I will take um, public comment on all matters pertaining to the closed session now, if there is any. Is there anyone who would like to speak on this agenda item for one minute? We're taking public comment now for one minute on this agenda item, Robert Friedman versus the Taxi Commission. Yes. Uh, I have a quick comment on this, and I know that uh, there's been a lot of debate in terms of Mr. Friedman, what he has done, what he isn't, hasn't done, what he's been accused of. But I think it's your responsibility to make sure that you should not have anybody that deals, let alone takes drugs, in a taxi. And from what I read in the previous reports, this gentleman has a history of it going back not just one year, but it, maybe a decade or more. And I think it is, is valid to make a decision on him, as well as you made it on, on, on the weapons charge previously, that somebody that does drugs, sells drugs as a drug dealer, has no place in a taxi business. And I think the report goes back that he did deal drugs at some point as well, and claiming now he does not. That's my issue and my point. Thank you. Anyone else? Public comment? Dan? Commissioners, I'd just like to say about this case in regards to Michael Friedman that I, I think a person's history is important, too. The history that I think that we should give deference to is the history that a person has as a cab driver. And in Mr. Friedman's case, he has a long-standing history of over 20 years as a cab driver, and his record as a cab driver is impeccable. In fact, it's outstanding. Now, Mr. Friedman, I don't know where this came, came from, drug dealing, whatever, but uh, that the only question I know of is that Mr. Friedman's drinking problem, which he acknowledges he's been sober for over two years. He has never, this has never impacted at any time his driving, his, his career as a cab driver. He's always taken tremendous pride in what he does. He's always been an extraordinarily professional driver. I was, originally when I broke into the industry, I was Mike Friedman's night driver, and he knows the city better than almost anyone. Uh, he knows how to drive safely, and if he gets his uh, license back, I feel very comfortable having him represent National Cap. So thank, you. thank you. Anyone else? Mark? Mark Ruberg, and um, I can speak for United Taxi Cab Workers on this. I'd urge you most strongly to stick to your guns on this. This was a revocation that was uh, well-deserved, I, I, I have to say. Um, this uh, uh, is before you, I think, because the Board of Appeals um, really has, has missed the boat. They, they, they think that suspending the A card of, of a person who hasn't been driving a cab for years while allowing them to retain their, the medallion is some sort of punishment, and, and it, it, it's so far from it that it's laughable. They, they really need to be instructed uh, on this. And um, I, I, for one, I, I mean, this person ha has has four documented DUIs, and I, for one, dread the the headline in, in a newspaper. I don't know if any of you saw today's Examiner, but the whole front page was filled with taxi meter. I, I, I dread the, seeing the front page of the Examiner or an article anywhere else saying that uh, somebody is driving a cab who has four DUIs. Thank you. Um, 
I think that one of the previous speakers misrepresented something about Mr. Friedman, and I don't think that should be allowed. But my concern is just how are these cases brought? I mean, so many of these cases seem to be retaliatory against National Cab, and I just wonder where this comes from. And it's just been going on for so long. And Mr. Friedman, I just knew him briefly when I worked at National before, but, you know, he was a nice guy. He seemed responsible to me. He liked animals. I remember there was a stray cat that came in, and he was kind, and he took that cat home and took care of it. So that, you know, he has my vote. But, you know, in the previous hearing, people came forward, and it was documented. Here's a cab driver for 20 years with an impeccable record, knew the city better than anybody. There's some dispatchers that worked with him over there at National now, and they said they were trained by Friedman. They said he knows the city better than anybody. Great cab driver. He's been sober for two years. So you take that, you know, into consideration. He went into rehab, and he's sober. Thank you. I know that the transgressions of this individual are very serious, and they were off the job, and they're pretty far back in time. He's a disabled Vietnam vet, part American Indian. He's driven 40 years with no accidents and only two customer complaints. He's been able to separate his alcoholism from his professionalism on the job, and he's been on disability for, it's a public information, migraine clusters that are getting better, and he actually does want to go back and work some. And I would speak in support of him. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else who would like to speak on this? Seeing none, public comment is closed. Item B is under the Administrative Code, Section 6710D. Hold a vote on whether to confer with legal counsel in closed session. Is there a motion on that? All in favor of that motion? Aye. Any opposed? Motion passes. We'll be going into closed session now. I appreciate everyone's attendance. We're going to need to empty the room. Okay.
KTV, San Francisco Government Television.
TV, San Francisco Government Television.